Cinemodities, late night movies with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or off kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp. I'm Zach. And I want a bigger fish. Get me a bigger fish. Oh, Zach, we're here. We're here at the soft opening of Monstober. It's our fourth annual Goosebumps TV show episode. Can you imagine? We've done, this is going to be our fourth? Isn't that kind of fun? (laughs) It's our fourth annual Goosebumps-a-thon. Yes, yes. And I am so excited to get into it. You know I always love talking about Goosebumps to kick off Monstober. I I don't really know how I was able to rope you into this, Zach, where we're, we're, we're doing this every year. Um, just a little peek behind the curtain is that as well. When I was getting my notes ready and getting kind of prepared for this year's Goosebumps-a-thon, uh, Goosebumps Marathon, Goosebumps Stober, whatever you want to call it, I was looking into, like, how long can we do this for? We need 15 more years of cinemodities to finish <laughs> the entirety of Goosebumps if we keep going at this four episodes a, a year pace. <laughs> Well, we also got the two movies, so that's at least another two no, more, right? No, no, so no, 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 no. I think I, I think we said that in the first year, where I'm like, I do not want to talk about the movies. <laughs> I've never even Rob, seen the but, second one. But, but we're for at the 15 year mark. Like, are we really going to be like, you know what? This is the end. Are we just going to do it just to see what happens? No, I think we restart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh! Because are you telling me, Zach? After we finish Goosebumps completely, when we have to think about what do we do for Goosebumps, you know, twenty thirty seven, which would be the year we need to find something new. You're telling me you're not going to say, "Let's do Haunted Mask one and two again." <laughs> That's fair. That's a fair point. <laughs> so I think we'll just be we'll just be doing Goosebumps for the rest of our lives every last week in September for this podcast. Oh man, it's great. I'm so excited as always to talk about Goosebumps. But there's there's two things I kind of want to get off right off the bat. One, Zach, would you like to be the one this year? To say this episode's disclaimer. Viewer beware. No. Interest. Oh. What are they viewing? What What is our audience viewing right now? It's not viewer. Come on. Oh, gee. Reader, I'm sorry. No, it's not reader either. What are people doing to our podcast? How do they? Listener beware. Listener beware. Oh, uh, clearly, God. Zach has not gone back and listened to all three of our previous <laughs> Goosebumps episodes in preparation for this. I can't. I thought you were going to nail it this year. Because in the first year, I cue this up and you're like, Rob, I have no fucking clue what you're talking about. Second year, I cue it up. You're just as confused. And third year, you're confused as well. And then I thought you were going to. Okay, everybody next year, Zach's going to get listener beware. <laughs> you're in for a scare. But that's the disclaimer. Every year for our Goosebumps episode, our podcast listeners beware. You're in for a scare. Now, the other thing I wanted to cover, before we jump into Goosebumps, before we jump into this soft opening of Monstober, there's something that I've been waiting to ask Zach for a while. I don't even think I've uh, delved into it with him off mic, off recording. Last week, we finished up the Henry Selick series with Coraline, and Zach was not there for it. Zach, I gotta know, what do you think of Coraline? Can we get some brief thoughts or anything just because we missed you on that episode? Coraline is is neat um i get why henry sella can't get any other movie off the ground um <laughs> that's, that's he, the most th- zach answer about that movie <laughs> no Coraline's a neat movie um it, it's a it feels like a movie of the late 2000s uh it's definitely better than other films of that ilk like paranorman it feels a little more in that like a little more like oh god 
what would you call it? Nostalgic for like that same sort of vibe. It's like things that we definitely talked about, like Night Before Christmas and James and the Giant Peach. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy Coraline. I'm kind of okay. fascinated that it made as much money as it did. But at the same time, I kind of find it fascinating that nobody ever tried to follow it up with anything. Um, it was kind of like a one done. Yeah. Uh, it, it feels like a movie and characters that could easily be teed up for other adventures. But no, yeah, I enjoyed it. It's, it's it's a it's a solid movie. Um, it's definitely the evolution of stop motion, like macabre genre. I don't want to say horror because I don't think that's what it is either. Yeah, yeah. Um, almost like like modern day fairy tales. Yeah, that's probably the best yeah. way to put it. Uh, but no, no, I thoroughly enjoyed that. No, it's definitely I would imagine like as we probably discussed in the rest of the Henry Selleck series. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> um, Coraline is probably my definitive favorite. Ah, would you like to take a guess where I put it on my Henry Selleck rankings out of the four? Oh, it's got it's got to be second or, or first. It's number one. Yeah, I put it number one. Coraline yeah, is a great movie. Coraline is also Coraline the movie is a fantastic film. Coraline the character, uh, she's my best friend. We established that last week as well. Um, but you know, you said something in there interesting that I didn't think we were going to get at in this episode. But I think it also kind of fits the Monstober vibe. Um, I, I think I mentioned to you, Zach, that I did go through all the Leica movies, all five, I believe, and I ranked them as well at the end of our Henry Selick series. Do you know what I put as my number one Leica? <sighs> the box trolls? No, you mentioned it. Paranorman. I loved oh, Paranorman. Oh, God. I no. went crazy for Paranorman when I saw it. And as our cinema no. audience knows, I discussed a lot of my feelings about Paranorman last week. But yeah, Coraline is a, a close second. Box trolls is third. Box trolls is really, really? good. The, the worst you one like is pa- Missing Link. Like, Missing Link is horrible. <laughs> you, you like Paranorman? Love. Ugh, I love I saw that. I saw that in theaters in 2012, and I did not like that movie. Uh, that's well, a hard no. That's a hard no for me. Look Bob. at that. Look at that. So, so kind of, you know, there's some there's some pros and cons to not having Zach on the Coraline episode. <laughs> <laughs> but I just wanted to pick your brain on that since we missed you for that last episode of Henry Selick series Coraline. Uh, great movie and my best friend. So that brings us to the topic of the day, the topic of the week to kick off this Monstober. We're talking goosebumps yet again. Rob is so excited. As always, we're doing our kind of four-episode structure. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, two shorter ones, so the 22-minute uh, episodes, and then one longer form one, the part one and the part two. And this is going to cover the season one episode, The Girl Who Cried Monster, the season two episode, Monster Blood, and the season four episodes, part one and part two, of Cry of the Cat. Now, when you hear that, when Zach hears that, and when our audience hears that, you kind of have to realize we don't have any more Haunted Mask episodes to discuss. It's kind of a bummer for Zach, I know. Is that right? <laughs> it is. It truly is. We need, to, we need to get this short and long back out of retirement. Yeah, I, I'm glad you bring that up because, you know, so we have no more Carly Beth in these episodes, no more long and short coming at us hard and fast, but their spirit will live on in these episodes for sure. I do have to say... Not to uh, to break, you know, convention of how we're going to go through these by in, in order or, you know, in, by episode or anything like that. Did you notice the evil cat's name from Monster Blood, the one who turns into a woman at the end of the uh, episode? Did you notice what they called her? Isn't she Sarah Beth? Sarah Beth. So we I, don't I, have yeah, a Carly Beth this year. We have a Sarah Beth. Like, that was one thing. Monster Blood is, I'm sure we'll talk about more, one of my favorite books and episodes of Goosebumps. It's so goofy, the episode. The book is actually, like, legitimately frightening, I remember from my childhood. I totally forgot that the evil witch's name was Sarah Beth. And when I watched it for this recording and they called her Sarah Beth, I was like, we did it! 
we we did it. We we got the next best thing to Carly Beth. <laughs> I was just happy we somehow like backed into just like we backed into that. Yes, yes, and so that'll be good. I had to I had to mention that. So we're we're halfway to Carly Beth. I guess the thing is, and I think the only other thing I wanted to bring up at the start before we jump into any of these episodes is uh, I do know last year we talked about how we were going to cover this year uh, the two parter one day at Horrorland. Uh, that was one that, you know, I had pitched to Ben before we knew Zach was going to be around, but thankfully Zach was there last year, so we had to do Haunted Mask Part 2 so he could get his Carly Beth fix and all that stuff. He was jonesing for it. We are not doing One Day at Horrorland this year because the desire to do that was supplanted by the desire to discuss something relating to Ghost Cat. <laughs> God damn it, Ghost Cat. You really are the man. We are, we, I think, what? two months or something maybe one and a half months uh, uh disjointed from the others episode from the end of the 2001 fort year but the ghost cat is very very at the top of rob and zach's mind is that safe to say <laughs> <laughs> god damn it ghost cat god damn it yes Do I remember rob, rob i'm not sure if you remember this though do you remember from it's always sunny where they had Agent Jack Bauer, the cat. Yes. You that yeah, when they get the when they dress up as cops and they get like free hot dogs because they have a cop car type of thing. Yeah. 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 The whole time <laughs> I the whole time I was thinking about this, I'm like, God damn it, Ghost Cat, you really are the man. <laughs> Is that the same episode where like I think it's what Mac and Dennis are dressed up as cops and Charlie wants to be Serpico? <laughs> So something like that. Yeah, yes. I think, I think it's it, been a while. He's like they're like, Who are you? He's like, I Serpico. And they're like, Why why? <laughs> Yep, Agent Jack Bauer, yes, yes, when the car blows up at the end and he runs out. Yeah, you're bringing back some memories. So, Zach, um, is there any kind of preamble you want to give for this year's Monstober, this year's Goosebumps, anything before we jump into these episodes? Before we, okay, oh, God. Goosebumps is another one of those things where I just, I again, like, I, obviously it's the fourth time we're talking about it, so there's really not any sort of context I could give yep. that I haven't already provided in the last couple and, of and years. And there's 15 more years to go, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I guess like, – and we'll talk about this more later on, but like, I'm still, still astounded that they haven't tried to reboot this on Netflix. Ah, uh, yes, yes. We talked about this last Shocked. year. Probably talked about Shocked. it every year, yeah. <laughs> every year that goes by and Netflix hasn't tried to reboot this, just – I find it like just insane. Well, like, that, Netflix I mean, is so, de- so like, creatively bankrupt. I'm just shocked that they're not You they're not You bring it up every this. year, and I think I have the same response. How can you Im- – how can you reboot perfection? I think this is the thing that everybody in the in the universe realizes. There's no need to reboot this. It's perfectly pixelated. That's what I would say. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm glad you brought that up. Okay, we I, had, I know. That. We're just hitting. We're doing I, the greatest hits of goosebumps King, at this time. I, I, I can all honestly, Rob is like, oh god, he's like the Long John Silver of uh, the Seven Seas. The way he comes with uh, his. Uh, yo-hoing, if we can call it that when it comes to media. Rob provided me with these episodes, and I tried watching the first one. I tried watching, I think I don't know my episodes, but like, I couldn't even sit there see what was happening. I watched all like 22 minutes of it, <laughs> and I literally couldn't see a single thing. It's beautiful. So I had to go back and find like a daily motion rip, and at least then I had a rough idea of what it was I was looking at. It is so beautifully pixelated it is such bad quality even we'll get to it one of my notes for cry of the cat was this video quality is too good but the audio quality is garbage and that makes it okay <laughs> insane rob absolutely oh, insane that, like this is what you gave me because i couldn't even see anything half the time 
I love it. Some of these files, I think maybe one or two of these episodes that we're talking about today in particular, would not play on my TV. So I had to put them through my computer, and that like degraded the quality a little bit further. And I'm just like, <sighs> give it to me. Give it to me right in my veins. One of my notes – oh, I'll get to it. I, I, I have a look – I think one person in one of these episodes looked like someone else, and my thought is, oh, they look like this person or a blob of pixels. I can't really tell. <laughs> I just want known is that like it's somebody who values like picture quality and at the same time I love my nostalgia of things from like the 90s what Rob provided me is abhorrent like I just want to say that like <laughs> it is genuinely despicable what he gave me because like I get nostalgia but if I can't even tell this is that what I'm looking at you cannot, like, oh, God, derive nostalgia from something which was, I can't even tell what it is. Zach, I'm really glad you bring that up because, one, I love my picture quality as well. I think that was a big part of the Henry Selick series talking about, you know, I have huge file qual- uh, content of, you know, James and Giant Pizza Night Before Christmas because I love that art style. But, man, Goosebumps deserves... Four by four pixels on screen and the constant hum of nothing in the background, like white noise machine in the background. I say it every year. I loved watching these episodes, uh, you know, this early uh, into Monstover and just being just like, oh, God, this is terrible. (laughs) There's something about Goosebumps that makes me feel good about it. I don't know. It's inexplicable. (laughs) But this is the thing, though. Like, okay, I don't want to get too far off, like, the Goosebumps trail. But at the same time, I'm kind of afraid because I don't know how much I can talk about all these because there, there is nothing Carly Beth level here. Uh, well, um, I have six pages of notes I per know, minute of, of episodes. <laughs> I know you do. I don't doubt that. Um, like, that's the point where I go make a sandwich for a couple hours. Um, but this is the thing that I find. I, I just like I'm curious. Is somebody who has like like their foot in both worlds of like, oh, I like I love my 90s nostalgia. But I also, like, value good picture quality. And, and like, this is the thing. I, rem- I think I told Rob this, like, from, like, years ago. Like, I upload, like, I remember when we did, like, what, what was it, like, 2000s commercials? Oh, sure. We did two th- yeah. I uploaded commercials to YouTube, but I don't think this ever made it, like, on mic. But, like, when I did that, I had this guy on YouTube who literally would comment and, like, message me, like, every week being like, hey, so, uh. I see you, like, upload this from, like, July 2000, like, blah, blah, blah. And he had it down to, like, the minute in a weird way that, like, I didn't even know how he could do that. And he's like, can I have those episodes? And I'm like, and, like, whatever it was, like, SpongeBob, like, whatever the program was. Sure, yeah. And I think, actually, Rob knows the story, but it's for the sake of, like, the audience. And I'm like, like, I have the episode, but, like, why do you want, like, a grainy VHS thing of SpongeBob where, like, it's easily accessible in a bunch of other places? Like, again, God, there's nothing there's nothing more accessible than Spongebob. And it's like he's like, well, yeah, I just, I just want the VHS rip of it, though. And I'm like, yeah, but like that's going to take me like three hours to like go through that. <laughs> Never mind. I can't upload to YouTube. So I upload a Spongebob clip to YouTube. It's going to be immediately flagged yep. for copyright infringement. Yep. You got to do the uh, the squash and stretch, put it in a different background, reverse it type of thing to get it up there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like I'm like. I, I really like I don't have like, you're I'm like yeah it's gonna take a lot I'm like yeah it's gonna take a lot of effort he's like all right I'll wait and I'm, like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like you're really imposing here for something that you really don't need yeah yeah so so like this is the question I want to ask you Rob why like is somebody who loves their like nostalgia why is it so important that we watch this in like grainy early 90s like rip vision 
You bring up a good question, and this answer is not going to be logical in any extent. Uh, just preface, preface it with that now. The year is 2010. As everybody knows on this podcast, when I went to college, that's when I started to buy hard drives and started to really collect media because I, I still to this day am very happy about the fact that while everybody was yelling at me, why are you saving media? It's going to be on Netflix forever. And I said, you're stupid. That will not be the case. I, I think I saw the tea leaves there where, you know, you know, things, one, we're going to get a bunch more streaming services, and two, things are going to come and go. And one of the first things I got was Goosebumps because as Zach has talked about before, as we have in previous Goosebumps years, that I loved Goosebumps, you know, before I started collecting media. I I think Zach tells the great story of, you know, every day in high school in October, I'd come to him and we'd see each other in in high school and be like, I'd be like, Zach, did you watch Goosebumps? And you're like, I have so many better things to do, Rob. And I'm like, Goosebumps, Goosebumps, Goosebumps. (laughs) But Goosebumps is one of the first things I found, and I found it as an entire collection, all four seasons, all, I think, 75 episodes, 76 episodes, something like that. And... This is just the the quality I got them in. It was bad Jetix rips, bad Fox and Friends or Fox Kids rips, you know, bad VHS rips, things like that. And I kind of started to fall in love with it, you know, in that same year of 2010 when I went off to college and found all this stuff and I really wanted to watch Goosebumps when October came around, we just watched what we had. And and maybe there was some kind of, you know, uh, kitschiness or endearing nature to me watching, you know, these bad rips of Goosebumps on my roommate's giant box CRT TV that gave me a lot of, like, <laughs> great feelings about it. But, you know, just as every... Because that's when it started, 2010, was when I just went through all of Goosebumps every October. And my roommate never seemed to have a problem. You know, my, my girlfriend, my other roommates, as I went through more college, when I, you know, started doing it on my own, I just kind of became used to it. And over the years, it evolved into something with me saying, hey, these are the copy quality goosebumps that i have i love them and i i know them inside and out it's almost like you know i know what the episodes are going to be doing and i don't need to see them anymore if that makes sense so it's something of a a mid you know like a 2010s nostalgia conjoined with childhood nostalgia for goosebumps that makes me love how bad the quality of these are (laughs) that's the thing though is that like again this is where again it's weird like how i look at that because like we all know my nostalgia, but at the same time too, that like I think I've mentioned it a couple of times, like where I got like somebody like oh god, upconverted or remastered all of like Thomas the Tank Engine into yeah. like HD, sure. and I was like wow, I'm like like for a while there, like I had like I had a legit box, like imagine like an office file box filled with all my like classic Thomas the Tank Engine VHS tapes that like I had since I was like four years old three four years old and i was just like i am never gonna get rid of these like this is nostalgia these are my thomas tapes and then like when that person uploaded all those into hd and like is rob knows like i got i copied those yep. so many times over and i'm so thankful because those like that's those finally got flagged on youtube um if you listen to that thomas the tank engine episode we did that playlist that's in the show notes is now kind of defunct because all the episodes are, oh, are uh, okay are now uh, been deplatformed um, it's kind of the idea that, like, well, like, I love my VHS taste for nostalgia, but, like, I have an inherently better version of this than I could have possibly ever fathomed. Okay. And that's just, like, and like I said, it's a matter of, like, personal taste, so, like, there's no point in really kind of dissecting it any further. I just find it fascinating that, like, how Rob is more, between the two of us, a technical person, and I am the nostalgic one, that this is one of those very, like, rare instances where, like, our values are swapped. 
We're like, yeah. I'm the one. We're like, we're like, I'm the one that's been like, okay, the moment. Like, I don't even know what like Goosebumps is on right now. Is it Hulu, Netflix? I don't even. Um, know. Amazon I think Prime. The first year we did this, it was on Netflix. I haven't looked in so long, you know. Yeah, it's the idea that like, if I had access to any of those, I would have immediately like because I know like they're all available like sure. in, like upscaled HD right now. That's like the first thing I would have done is just like got them all in HD and like and ran. Um, to this day, like, I still think I want um, the Haunted Mask in HD because I think it's just phenomenal. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, but no, I, I, it's one of those things where, like, as I was watching this, because, like, I, again, like, I could not watch what Rob sent me. It was genuinely abhorrent quality to the point where, like, I didn't know what I was watching. Like, I just, I'm like, I'm like, I can't comment on, it. I, I can't like, give my commentary if I don't know what it is that I'm watching. I'm sorry, Rob. Well, no, well, uh, I, I think there, there's there's three things I want to say. That one is I was shocked that you asked me to send me the send these to you because I I knew you were going to have this response. But this is just a hallmark of this goosebumps on cinemodities. We have to have this conversation about the the video quality every year. Two, I think that I have a weird. A very strange infatuation with not losing any media ever, and if I if I got better quality versions of Goosebumps, they would not be these same old VHS TV rips that I have today. Like I feel like I'm the arbiter of a random person getting an episode from Jetix for the rest of time. And three, the other thing I want to say is that I kind of chalk up bad quality goosebumps to the same thing that I always love to say about why the black and white version of The Mist is better. Because the black and white version of The Mist covers the seams of how bad the CGI is. I honestly think that if I went and watched better quality Goosebumps, I would hate it a lot more. Because I think the graininess makes me believe in the bad makeup and bad costumes that they use in this show a lot. Uh, uh, I... Okay, you're not wrong. In that, like, the... (laughs) No, no, you're not wrong in that the grain kind of hides it. But at the same time, though, it goes. This goes back to like my perspective on Thomas the Tank Engine. Sure. And this is where maybe like I remember having this argument with somebody like ten years ago when Tron was released on Blu-ray. I can still remember like buying that like in line like at Walmart with some like kids I knew from like my freshman year of college. And they're like, "Why are you buying that? All it's going to do is show you all the imperfections." <laughs> and I was like, "That's a valid point." And then I watched it, and I'm like, oh, this isn't showing you imperfections. This is just, like, the best – like, this is, like, what ideally any print of the movie looks like. It's the problem is that we've lived so long with VHS and DVD-quality media that we realize, like, when these things were projected, like, in 35-millimeter – that is the ideal quality. Sure. In, blue, in Blu-ray high definition is the closest level we'll get to that. DVD and anything below that quality-wise is inferior. Like on an objective level, not on a preference level. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. We're like, we're like, I would imagine like the majority – I would imagine almost all if not the majority of, of Goosebumps were shot in standard definition. So I get Rob's argument. It's just like for the sake of being able to comprehend what it is that I'm looking at, I would prefer to have it in the best quality possible. I know. See, that's the thing where I'm glad you say you get what I'm saying. I get what you're saying too. You are Zach is not the person who knows every episode of Goosebumps like the back of his fucking hand because he watches all 75 episodes every year and has been doing this for over 10 years now. I get why you want to see what's going on. <laughs> it's good old, uh, oh God, it's good old like Cartoon Network 2000, what, 7, 8, 9? Yeah, that, yeah, I think that would be the one we were talking about it. Absolutely, yeah. 
Yeah. I can still remember that too. That oh god, I know every year I go back to this. I can still remember that. This is like because this is the thing. Like Rob and I were both really, really into Cartoon Network that fall. Of course, because like Clone Wars just premiered in like oh god, I think it was the beginning of October of two thousand eight, and that was like the second year that Cartoon Network did like Goosebumps and like like in like Halloween spooky fall time. Yep. And that's where, like, Rob and I were both watching Cartoon Network as, like, juniors, like, 16 years old in high school. <laughs> we're both, like, religiously watching Cartoon Network. Um, like, I was watching it, like, Friday nights for Clone Wars, and Rob's watching it, like, Friday nights for Goosebumps. Hell yeah. <laughs> but, no, like, Goosebumps is one of those things where, like, as time goes on, like, when Rob first, like, like made this, like, a mandate, is like, the prelude to Monstober. I was like, oh, God, Rob. Like, because like, I never liked Goosebumps. Like, for yeah, those of you yeah. who have not listened to this, like, I, I was always aware of it as a kid of the 90s. Like, I remember seeing all the, like, novel covers, like, in the aisle of books at Walmart. Like, I, I, to this day, I can still remember seeing, like, the OG Walmart we had in Florida before it beca- like before they moved. It became a, like, a, oh, God, a super Walmart. Mm-hmm. Um, which people don't realize that, like, Walmarts were regular Walmarts, and there was such a thing as a super Walmart became, before it just became, like, the blanket Walmart label to everything. Yeah. Um, but no, like, I, I, like, again, I was always aware of Goosebumps. I was just never fond of it because i think it was just something i never because like this is the thing like i i want rob to know like in preparation for this besides just watching the episodes he gave me i found this really oh god the first half of it's pretty good it was, it was like it's a youtube documentary oh and it's it, it does a pretty good like encapsulation of like what goosebumps was and all the different just like facets of it over time it's not until about like the latter half where it gets really, really heavy into just like, all the nonsense about the movies with Jack Black. Oh God. Um, yeah, but no, like it's the idea that like, oh, Goosebumps was like Goosebumps' heyday, and I never really knew, like, realized this until this video. Goosebumps' heyday kind of like ended at '97. Yeah, yeah. Like, like it existed well into like the late '90s, early 2000s. But its heyday ended like in ninety seven, ninety eight. Yep. And considering that like Rob and I were both born in ninety two, spoiler alert, it, it gets why the ship kind of sailed for me by the time I became of age to read these sort of things. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you bring that up because I think I think it really was you know uh, our first Goosebumps episode back in 2018 when you know I I explained to you Zach that I remember being young in fourth grade. I don't know how old I would have been then, you know, without doing the calculations. But in fourth grade, I remember very specifically Eight years old. that my teacher, Mrs. Caswell, we had to do book reports. And I want to do a book report on a Goosebumps book. And she was very passive aggressively like, well, you can, but it's going to be really difficult. And I was like, well, fuck, this is a challenge, bitch. And I've taken every year that we've discussed Goosebumps <laughs> on this podcast as a challenge to Mrs. Caswell, who I have no idea if she's alive or not anymore. But I like to think that it's like, no, it's a book. It's a story. What do you mean I can't do a book report? What do you mean I can't analyze a story, even though we might, you know, kind of boil down to talk about running train on Carly Beth in some of these previous episodes? We can still talk Woo. about it. And that's why I kind of think Goosebumps stuck with me a lot, because when I was younger... I was told that it was uh, not good stories. And I don't know, maybe this kind of, you know, challenging part of my brain was like, well, no, I want to know all the stories. I want to love these stories. And I do to this day. I think it's the idea, too, when it comes to Goosebumps is that, like, in this same video, it never, like, I never knew about this. Or maybe I just forgotten it. That Goosebumps was, like, the highest, like, grossing 
book series until Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. So I th- so I think the idea of maybe you doing a Goosebumps like book report in like 2000 is kind of on par of like someone doing a Harry Potter book report like in 2003. Ah, uh, that's fair. That's fair. I, I understand what you're saying. Um, Mrs. Caswell was just a big old bitch from what I remember too. <laughs> But that's the thing. I think it's the idea that like it was just too popular maybe at the time or maybe it kind of like whatever her name was, Mrs. Coswell's like it kind of run her course and you were kind of just like kind of dancing on its grave. And she kind of like had her fill of it and she's kind of like, oh, geez, that, I, I, won't this I thing see just what you're away? saying as well. And, you know, this this was also I was I feel like I was just on the cusp. I, I think it was second grade. When I started reading, I think the second book of a series of unfortunate events had come out. I might be misremembering my grades and years and stuff, but I, I got really into that series. And I still, to this day, love the series of unfortunate events. It's probably my favorite book series. Um, that's the thing that, you know, one day if, if you know, I ever get somebody else who loves it as well, we'll talk about the Sonnenfeld series and the Carrie movie and stuff like that. But I think I've always loved the anthology nature of Goosebumps, like, intrinsically. It's kind of like the first anthology I ever really latched onto. I would say it's either that or Twilight Zone. And I think saying that, Zach gets it perfectly. You know, I love my Twilight Zone. I love my Goosebumps. I love my, you know, just tell a tale that has a goofy twist and some spooky shit. It's great. Tell me a tale where an octopus hacks a computer. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> oh God, oh God, Jordan Peele, just go away at this point. Like I've never, like I've never yelled that as much as humanly possible. Like even like, like what he has a new like movie coming out. I saw like there's like a poster for it. And I'm I'm, just, like, I'm still Jordan on, Peele. Go away. I'm still go very, away, Jordan Peele. I might have like two fingers on the Key and Peele bandwagon, but after the Twilight Zone, I'm just like, oh God. <laughs> Oh, wait, no, no, no. I am firmly on the – like Jordan yeah, Peele is yeah. – over- not that he's a hack, but I think he's overrated. And I think we're getting to a point where like he's going to be considered like the new Shyamalan. Ooh. I think it, it's it's going to be t- – it's going to take some time. But like I, I – I, the problem is that like, Hollywood will always be in his – I think Jordan Peele is a smart guy, not to make this too much into a tangent. But like Jordan Peele is a smart guy, and I think he's realized that like as long as every single hit one of his movies had some element that's woke, he will never he will never have to worry about like. Whereas like Shyamalan eventually lost lost the critics because he kind of like lodged his head so far up his own ass. <laughs> Jordan Peele's in that same boat though, but I think Jordan Peele's realized like on a marketing level that as long as the films are progressive in theme he never has to worry about like he might lose the audience but he'll never lose the critics as long as he does that. i know i know what you're saying zach and and we we are i think it's definitive we can both agree we, you and i will never discuss get out on this podcast there's nothing that we could add to get out that hasn't already been said by the universe but man you remember my hot take on us how it was about know, mili- like the us. militarization of the middle east by the united states and zach's like how the did you get this <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, to this day i cannot remember I, I, it's like i don't like watching this and like i've heard stuff that like obviously jordan peele's like oh it's an allegory for the homeless and i'm like no jordan peele i'm like no it's like go away it's like enough like, you, remember, you are not as clever as you think you I'm, are. I'm glad we get we get to tie all this back together because this came up early in the fort year you know remember the end of uh of american made where the spy says i got it we give the guns to the Iranians to give to the Contra. <laughs> that is literally the preamble to us. Us is about f- militarization of the Middle East and the rise of Saddam Hussein. And Zach, I told Zach this. Zach watched us, and he went, "Rob, no. I, Rob, I have no idea where you got this from." Maybe we'll discuss us one day. I don't think that'll be anytime soon. But 
Oh, that no, was a good we tangent not on Jordan Fio. <laughs> considering that, like, us would fall into a Monstober, like, playlist, we are not. I will never, ever give Jordan Peele a Monstober spot. Unless he makes yeah. some, like, some like um, like miraculous gem. Well, Wendell and Wilde like, no. with Henry Selleck. That's what that's, I'm holding. I'm holding no. out hope, Zach. No, Zach, you know. You know. Don't be that earworm in me making me think it's going to be bad. I'm, I'm praying that that's going to be a great movie. <laughs> Rob, what is the – Rob, where is that being uh, – debuted um my brain directly into my brain and then netflix i know what you're saying zach (laughs) remember rob anything that debuts on netflix is not a movie oh god it's it's movies aren't they do not premiere on netflix they are dumped on netflix (laughs) the last thing i want to say about us because we're we're on a crazy tangent and you know we're i think we're being a little too serious for a goosebumps episode as well we usually are are very are very funny on our goosebumps episodes the last thing i want to say about us is you know remember that like uh that song that was used in the us trailer like it was the I got five on it, but bump. That song also appears in the first episode of Sasha Barry Cohen's Ali G show. <laughs> I just want to make that reference. <laughs> okay, I didn't expect that from this episode, but here we are. I thought that would be a nice cherry on top. Zach, okay. Is that, um, is that, is that what you're telling yourself, Rob? <laughs> I'm cutting Zach off. Zach's cutting me off. We got to talk about Goosebumps. Zach, which, how would you like to dive into this? We have we have our two half an hour episodes, our one hour long episode. How would you like to divide divide these up? Um, I think we really haven't kept a pattern in any years prior. We've done kind of you know any order. Is there any one that you know maybe you want to talk about the one you dislike the most first? What do you think? I want to throw it to you for the soft opening of Monstober. Okay, so when it comes to this uh, Goosebumps-a-thon fourth year. Um, Cry of the Cat, like I, it's a two-parter episode, as Rob said earlier. I watched the first half. Cry of the Ghost digest- Cat. Cry of the Ghost Cat. Oh, excuse me. Cry of the Ghost Cat. Yeah, we, that's, um, that's our correction for this year. It should have been called Cry of the Ghost Cat. One of my notes is literally just Ghost Cat. <laughs> well, why wouldn't it be? Ghost Cat. Exactly. Um, this is the thing. Is that, like, I watched the first half. I watched the first, like, of the two-parter. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I get it. And then, like, I got, like, halfway through the second part, and I'm like, what? Like, I literally have no idea what's happening. Like, I do not know what the resolution to Ghost Cat Part 2 is. So I need Rob (laughs) to explain that to me. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, I watched Ghost Cat Part 2, like, three times, and I could not follow it. It's, like, it's it's almost, like, tenant, like, blue-purple room level. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. We're starting with... What is going on right now? We're starting with Cry of the Cat, then. This is our two-parter. We got... It's season four, episodes five and six. Cry of the Cat, part one. Cry of the Cat, part two. Originally aired on October 31st, 1998. This is the Halloween episode. And it is based on the first book of the Goosebumps 2000 series. This is actually the first time in Cinemodity's history that we are covering a Goosebumps episode that is not based on a book from the original series. It's based on the follow-up series, Goosebumps 2000. But of course, you know, everybody, go listen to our The Others episode, or maybe go an hour into our The Others episode when Zach and I say Ghost Cat to each other six or seven times and then giggle for a minute. Uh, We lost our minds with Ghost Cat. Now, you're right. The first episode, part one of Cry of the Cat, is a straightforward Goosebumps episode. 
it's kind of shocking when I rewatch, because this is usually one of the ones I rewatch last, like the Cry of the Cat, any of the Goosebumps 2000 stuff I'm not really into. When I sat down and paid attention and took notes to the second half of Cry of the Cat, it's some really, like, it's closest to Flan O'Brien's The Third Policeman, like absurdist, abstract, like 20th century Irish literature. Like, a big part of it becomes every time the cat scratches you, it takes some of your life force and gives you some of the cat life force. There's literally a line where we have a little girl say, He wants your life force. Rip isn't an ordinary cat, but he still has nine lives. That's three. Three what? Three times. That means he's used up eight lives. What are you talking about? You have to be careful. Stay away from him. And whatever you do, don't let him scratch you again. Why? What's he doing to me? I told you, Rip isn't an ordinary cat. He's desperate now, Allison. He only has one life left. And he won't stop until he has yours. And I'm sitting here going, excuse me? (laughs) (laughs) The second half is wildly bonkers, Zach. You know what I you know what I did want to say before we jump into it? We'll have to do a summary or something. Our main girl, Allison, starts to act like a cat at the end of the first half and throughout the beginning yes, of the second does. half. Dude, it gave me hardcore Halle Berry and Catwoman vibes. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I oh God. Um that's that's the thing about this, is that like it's just like I know you told me okay for the audience at home Rob warned me that like obviously like he said earlier that he was swapping these out like compared to like the horror land because he wanted to do ghost cat ghost cat yeah. ghost cat, ghost cat. Uh, ghost cat. that's the thing <laughs> exactly <laughs> is that like but this is like this feels just so like they didn't like they were running out of ideas okay like, I, and, I, and like I, we I, said earlier this is like post 97 so this is yes. definitively when they ran out of ideas it's in the, like I said it's in the second series of goosebumps called goosebumps 2000 um I just want to make this clear as much as i love all of goosebumps this episode fucking sucks i hate yes, cry of the cat like cry of the cat is garbage compared to a lot of other goosebumps even compared to season four so season four if zach our audience does not know it is four separate two-parters that's how they ended the series and cry of the cat was one of them and i mean in the next 15 years we're gonna get to you know deep trouble we're gonna get to uh, uh my shrunken head and things like that but this is always a low point for me. This is one of the ones that I've explained in previous years. Whenever I sit down and watch Goosebumps in October and I check them off the list, you know, to go through all of it, if I fall asleep during Ghost Cat, I consider it finished because goddamn does this suck. This second half is so bonkers, so disjointed, so annoying to me, but the first half is kind of fine. The first half feels like a regular Goosebumps episode where, you know, you have, um, I guess, let me, if you, if you uh, would allow, Zach, I'll jump into my summary. We have our main girl, Allison, who is a teenage actor. She's acting in a movie version of Cry of the Cat, which her agent tells her is the most successful book of all time. So R.L. Stein, <laughs> stop sucking your own dick right there. And then she runs over a cat in the episode... With a, even, with a bicycle. With a bicycle. With a bicycle. The episode doesn't even have the balls to show us a dead cat. They show a clump of hair and a spoke. And it's like, oh, no, <laughs> I killed a cat. And I'm like, go fuck yourself. In the book, she straight up, like, decapitates the cat. And there's a whole thing where she, like, carries the cat's head in one hand and carries the cat's body to the house, you know? 
The episode Damn. doesn't want... Yeah, it's Damn. actually, like, gory and macabre, you know? Here, she's just like, oh, I'm gonna go to the nearest house next to me, and I'm gonna knock on the door, and this little girl's gonna answer, and she's gonna be like, listen, did you have a cat? It looked like a cat, you know, with, with a meow meow, and they're like, rip, rip the cat, and then the girl's like, yeah, I killed him. Sorry, I'm gonna go back to being a celebrity, and the other girl's like, oh, no. And then... This ghost cat starts to attack our main character, Allison. It starts off fine enough, you know, it's just popping out of cupboards on set, it's popping up in her dressing room, that type of stuff, but eventually it scratches her. It scratches her, and she doesn't bleed or anything, it just glows green, and it heals real quick, and then she finds herself turning into Catwoman. She finds herself, you know, (laughs) wanting to eat a fish, she finds herself wanting to fucking jump... There's a random ball of foil hanging from the ceiling of a movie set, which is not explained. She wants to jump off of a of scaffolding to reach that. And Zach, I don't want to blow up your spot, but Zach tried this a few weeks ago. Didn't work out well for him. He's not a cat. And then the whole second, that's the end of the first half. She jumps off the scaffolding because she's turning into a cat. The second half goes, as we've been saying, off the fucking rails. She's acting like a cat. The cat's still attacking her. There's a scene where she whacks the ghost cat with a bedpan. I have no idea why she'd have a bedpan, because she can still fucking walk. The doctor tells her she has ghost cat blood. He's like, you look at see, you see these lab results? She's got cat blood, ghost cat blood. And I'm like, whoa, okay. Turns out, in the end, that the little girl from the house that apparently owned the cat, her mother was this fucking genetic scientist that created a genetic abomination known as Rip the Cat that can survive forever as long as it can transfer its life force between other humans or steal humans' life. It makes no sense. It makes no fucking sense. And they trap the two main kids in the basement, and they're like, yo, Rip the Cat's gonna, like, hump you or something, and it's gonna make Rip the Cat live forever, and you're gonna turn into cat people. And they beat it by literally... Just standing there for a little bit. (laughs) And it turns out that the whole episode was something we've been watching. And, oh my god. Okay, I lost the trail a little bit at the end because I don't think a a concise summary of this episode can exist. (laughs) It is the shittiest, most disjointed piece of trash I've ever seen, like, that falls apart in the back half almost ever. I'm trying to rack my brain on what movie have I ever seen that falls apart this hard in the back half, and this might be the exemplar. <laughs> it's 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 bananas. I think it's probably the best way to put it. So, are, are you in agreement, though? I think you mentioned earlier that the first half is pretty fine, right? Uh, the f- oh, it's not it's great, good. but I'm saying it, it, it at least it, makes it sense. Every, it sets everything up well enough. Yeah, yeah, and at least you can follow what's happening, you know, and and the second half just goes so off the rails. I mean, let, let me just say this right off the bat, the disjointedness between first and second half. You know, she gets scratched in the first half, she starts to act like a cat, she's at the top of the scaffolding at the end of the first half, she sees the random ball of foil being strung about, and the first half cuts when you see her at the edge of the scaffolding. My note for that is, she's gonna land on her feet. Like, fucking duh. Like, this, like how, there is no one in the world that you show this them, and they're gonna go, oh my god, is she gonna die? Is she gonna fall and die? She's a cat! She's gonna land on her feet, right? She's a ghost cat. And she's, a, she's a human ghost cat type of thing. The, I, 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 I'm kind of summarizing this because I don't think there's a lot that we have to say about the first half. I, I think, you know, like you said, it sets everything up kind of well. I think maybe 
there's just like a few tiny moments I'd want to mention. One of the characters, the 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 uh, male actor, the boy in this episode, the um, one acting against Allison, our main character, he looks a lot like a young Mark Paul Mark Mark Paul Gosseler, and he's owning that Zach Morris energy. I thought. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. <laughs> That's 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 a Rob response, folks. That's a uh, Rob response. Sure, sure. But then the other thing I wanted to mention in that in the um that first one is um the ghost cat like trashes her dressing room at a certain point. Yes, and she throws it out the window. She yeah, she, she throws the ghost cat out the window, and then she looks at her dressing room, and there's like a bunch of shit knocked over. Cut to her having it all in a trash bag. What <laughs> what if if. Okay, okay, please, Zach. Am I, am I missing something? If the ghost cat just knocked something over, why are you throwing it away? That would be like if a ghost cat came into my apartment and knocked over, like, my knife block. I'd be like, well, fuck, gotta toss this in the trash. Shouldn't she be rearranging shit, not throwing it all out? Well, Rob, it's contaminated now with, like, ghost cat-like germs. Um, I, well, that's one thing. We don't really have a sense of what ghost cat germs are in this episode. I know, right? The movie's too all over the place. Or, I'm sorry. The TV show's too all over the, the place for that. And I think I mentioned in my summary, which I want to get your thoughts on. It's a, it's a TV show. You know, it's, a, it's like the, the movie-making magic. Doesn't it kind of suck that they don't show the dead cat? They just show the hair and the spokes of the bicycle? I thought that sucked. I, okay, Rob's a sadist. But I, I don't want to see that. I, as somebody who likes pussy cats, I was like, okay. Like, I kind of liked, like, the weird, like, kind of, like, hide the sausage mentality they had toward Ghost Cat. Um, I would have loved to have seen, like, a, like, much like we see her wound, and it's, like, glowing at times. I would have loved to have seen, like, a black cat that was, like, like with a green, like, iridescent glow. Oh, okay, okay. I see what you're saying. Like, really, like, Mr. Burns level, like, I bring you love. <laughs> that like, like, fun, I, yeah. I, want, I wanted that level of just kind of, like, kitschy, just like, like, oh, radioactive, like, ghost cat. Or maybe even, like, not even green, just kind of like this weird sort of just, like, like again, like this white, like, iridescent glow to it. I would have been happy with. See, no, I like, wanted no. to see straight up roadkill destroyed animal. They should have owned way, it in, the, in this episode. In the book, does she run the cat over with the bike? In in the book, it is a bike accident, I'm pretty sure. But like I said, she does de- decapitate it type of thing. Does she like, really? Yeah, like the book makes it very gory. And since Cry of the Cat is the first of the Goosebumps 2000, I think R.L. Stein was trying to do something a lot more, or maybe not a lot more, but a little more grown up. And I th- yeah, and I think he wanted that to be like the cat really gets killed type of thing. Okay. Um, I I don't. Okay. Rob knows more about this than I do. Um, I don't know how you would make this better, um, considering that. Like, okay, this is explaining just more context to me. When this episode came out, was it part of the initial just batch of Goosebumps episodes, or was this like part of like some sort of like? Goosebumps were reimagining it for the new public, like for like a new generation. In terms of the books, I think it was a reimagining no, movies, movies. for the, the for the I'm show. Sorry, no, I, this TV was just show, season, this was just season four. This was just the next season. Yeah. Okay, but okay, but it was the beginning of something new. This wasn't like a mid-season shift or anything, right? Well, not really. This actually kind of was a mid-season shift because this is episodes um, five and six of season four. And the previous two episodes in season four were How I Got My Shrunken Head and The Ghost Next Door, uh, both two-parters, which were based on original Goosebumps books. Okay. 
Um, all right, that's interesting then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it it kind of came I, out I of know. nowhere that they chose this one. because, And then also, the final two episodes of Goosebumps, another two-parter, Deep Trouble, is from the original series. All right, but this is definitely like later day, like Goosebumps TV show. Yes, yes. Yeah, this feels like, again, like I said, like it's funny, like we'll definitely get into this like with, with the earlier episodes when it comes to just like, oh God, like the monster from the, from the, in the library. There is a very clear shift and just like, it's like everything, it's kind of like, Goosebumps reminds me of Unsolved Mysteries and that like OG Unsolved Mysteries had a very unique flavor mm-hmm. relative to like later day Unsolved Mysteries. Sure. That like a higher budget doesn't exactly mean better i would agree completely yep yeah i guess that thing about this is that like would i have wanted more gore no yes. especially like it's children's rob yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> as children's entertainment no i would not have wanted that are you telling um, me that when she hits the cat on her bike you didn't want like a gallon of blood to squirt into her face no i wouldn't like that for goosebumps either i thought that was be funny though <laughs> run over a cat with a bicycle that well you know that's kind of the get, uh suspension of disbelief for this episode and the book get, <laughs> you couldn't get within like a half a mile of a cat with a bicycle like a cat's gonna be able to run away well it's i like, will i will tell you zach this was a few years ago when i first moved out to colorado but when i was riding my bike in a residential neighborhood once a cat chased me <laughs> behind me <laughs> I, is, I i would have had to do like a really se- crazy sequence of turns to get to it but it it followed me <laughs> Okay, that is a fantastic like visual that I wish I could just see. Like, Do you think reality. it was the ghost cat? Do you think? Oh my god, the ghost cat went through the turnstiles to find me four <laughs> or five years ago. <laughs> so what you're saying, Rob, is that the ghost cat was the inventor of the turnstiles. <laughs> I don't know about the inventor. Maybe the first participant. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Okay, that, may, maybe, maybe I can get on board with that. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. Like, like I don't know if like seeing that would have made it any better. I think they convey their point well enough. Um, I uh, see. That's yeah. where I disagree. I feel it's just just the hair and the spoke, and she goes, "Oh no!" And it really takes till she gets to the house and talks to character's name. The little girl is named Crystal, and she's like, "I had an accident. I think I hit your cat." You know, I, it doesn't it doesn't work as well for me. I wanted something else. I I, I kind of don't know what I would have wanted, but just the hair and the spoke and telling the little girl. Who she, you know, Alice and our main character should have no realization that that's where the cat came from. It just seems so disjointed. And it was one of the things where I feel like I, it, it's interesting to hear you say what you're saying now because I knew what was going on because of the book and watching this episode so many times. Where it seems like you got it just from what they presented in the episode, which is what I thought you were going to have some issue with. I, like I said, I, I got it. Okay. Whether I, th- I don't think it was objectively good though. Like it was kind of just like, like oh God. Bare bones storytelling. Yeah, yeah, that, I, I, yeah, not fleshed out bare bones. I think that's a, a fair way to put it, for sure, for sure. Oh okay, yeah, that's. I mean, that's the first half. Second half, okay, we're we're about to go off the rails in the goddamn second half. There's a certain, there's two two big things I want to get your thoughts on in the second half. Uh, as I've already explained, the second half is you know the rip the cat, this ghost cat, demon cat, genetic abomination, whatever the fuck you want to call it. It is scratching humans to steal their life force and give them his own dying life force. I guess it's not really explained. Uh, first thing we got to talk about: cemetery scene. Allison and Crystal are saying, "Well, when the when the cat you know loses a life, where does it go to recuperate? Has to go to its grave, the cemetery. Oh no, that's where the movie I'm in is shooting." They go to the cemetery. There's some fun stuff I want to talk about a little later. But then, Zach, 
Do you have any reason why the cemetery starts exploding in massive fireballs and we see the ghost cat take up the entire night sky? Is there... It's impossible, right? It's the most ridiculous shit. (laughs) It might be impossible, but it's kind of beautiful at the same time as well. It's the most... In exciting thing about the episode, I would say, un- until maybe the second thing I want to ask you about. But man, every time I watch this, and and to be fair, like I said, this is usually one of the ones I'll fall asleep to and still count as watched. When I just studied it, you know, looked at it intently for this recording, I'm just like, wait, wh- what is exploding in the cemetery? What is the explosions are so far away that it might not even be in the cemetery? And then Ghost Cat takes up the whole night sky, and it's like. Rah! And I'm like, Ghost Cat. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? You know? <laughs> like, is Ghost Cat about to eat the entire movie production? <laughs> yeah, that's. Oh, God. I kind of like the fact that, like, we have her. Like, okay, we have our main actress thrown off the film, like, during that sequence. And we have another actress who's just, like, a slightly different looking Asian child. Well, one of the. Quite possibly the best line in both of these episodes in the entirety of Cry of the Cat. When you get the reveal in that cemetery scene that Allison has been replaced, and like you said, you have someone who looks very similar, you have her fuck up her lines and fall over, and the director's like, cut, cut, kill the smoke, and goes over to her, and she gets to say a wonderful piece of dialogue, Larry, how am I supposed to act when you want me to walk at the same time? (laughs) That was wonderful, I thought. (laughs) There's some fun moments like that. There's some fun moments. Um, but Zach, I mean, just a, a, this quick aside, uh, d- how how do actors do that? Walk and act at the same time? Is that even possible? I don't know, Rob. Sounds pretty difficult to me. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, as we know, Brando couldn't do that. Brando had to sit while he was acting. So, of course, how could anybody else do it? <laughs> well, that's because he had coral reefs coming out of his ass, Rob. Ah, the, the, oh, there's a medical condition, yes. Coral reef ass, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. I love, I love that line though. How am I supposed to act when you want me to walk at the same time? That was great. <laughs> um, the cemetery explodes for no reason. Um, Allison comes back to try and you know tell them don't dig up fucking Rip because it's a ghost cat. She's like ghost cat, and the director's like I need a bigger fish. Makes no sense. She somehow teams up with young Zach Morris again. They go back to Crystal's house, and even though. Maybe three minutes earlier, Crystal was like, my mother will not talk to you. As soon as they get back to Crystal's house, she goes, my mother wants to talk to you. (laughs) And she gets taken down. uh, Well, Allison and young Zach Morris get taken down to the basement. And it is revealed that Crystal's mother created the the genetic abomination known as Ghost Cat that can steal things, life force, and live forever. And Crystal's mother continually would let Rip steal her life force to keep her creation alive, but throughout all these years, it turned her into more of a cat. And we get the reveal of a cat-human hybrid that I find fucking unsettling. This was what I wanted to pick your brain on, Zach, because I know last year we got to talk a lot about the um, the Scarecrows in The Scarecrow Walks at Midnight. I know you and I disagreed. I thought they looked really cool. You were just like, fuck Goosebumps. And this time, what do you think about this fucking cat-human hybrid makeup? The big, the giant one side of the face with the giant eye that looks like the cat, the other one looks humanoid. Dude, I was unsettled by this thing. Uh, I, for the most part, I was kind of unfazed by it. Really? God. 
I don't know. I don't know how to read you, Zach. There's some shit. You're like, I love when these people had pumpkins on their heads. It was Halloween incarnate with Attack of the Jack-O-Lanterns. And then I give you this, this fucking crazy cat-human hybrid makeup that literally is like, I don't want to sleep tonight. And you're just like, meh. Goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That thing about goosebumps, though, is that, like, goosebumps. Okay. This thing you have to realize about me, Rob, is that, like, one I moment. To. I refuse to realize anything that you said. But that's the thing about goosebumps, though, is that, like, you have to realize is that, like, when you have a moment like that, you just can't kind of throw it out of nowhere and expect me to be like, wow. Well, like, it's, the, it's is... not out of nowhere. It's the twist. They set up the mother, doesn't want to talk to me. She's working on the cat genetics for flu research. Like, it's not well, out of sure, nowhere. But, no, but it's not. But, like, the the imagery is out of nowhere. Oh, so you're saying in terms of this episode, like, seeing something so deformed doesn't seem to fit with the rest of this episode? Well, that's the thing, because, like, you think, like, you, like yeah, exactly, because, like, you really, you watch it, and nothing else of that, like, sort of thing happens. Like, the most, like, kind of obscure, vi- I, well, I'm sorry, enigmatic visual is her with, like, the glowy scratch on her arm. Sure. And then, like, you cut to something like that, like, God, at that point, what, 30 to 40 minutes into the story, and it's, like, it, it relatively speaking, feels like it's coming out of nowhere. Well, that, oh, okay. Let me, let me ask you this then. It doesn't feel like it's nothing. It doesn't feel, okay. It doesn't feel like it's been built up enough for that sort of payoff. That, okay. I think you just hit the nail on the head, but I want to, I want to track this down just because what you said made me think of something that, you know, we've referenced a lot. I think not only in Goosebumps, but Monstober as well. Um, One of my favorite episodes of the original Twilight Zone, Beauty is in the Eye of the Beholder. The twist at the end of that episode is that, you know, they take the bandages off the patient. The whole episode, this woman has bandages covering her entire face. At the end of the episode, they take it off, and she is a gorgeous, regular, you know, nothing wrong with her, perfectly symmetrical face, everything you'd expect. She's just a regular woman. And they go, oh, my God, it didn't work. We failed. She's ugly as hell. And it cuts back to all the doctors whose face we had never seen the entire episode. And they're hideous pig people. And the twist is that, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. What's regular or normal, in air quotes, depends on, you know, the majority of society. I was going to bring that up as a counterpoint to what you said. But I think when you followed it up with your qualification that it's not earned. I think we can agree that the beauty is in the eye of the beholder, the twist that most of society is deformed as we know them is earned in the twilight zone episode where you're saying here this cat hybrid seems to come out of nowhere other than for shock value yeah no i agree that's fair i see what you're saying i see what you're saying and i agree with you i think it's probably you know not a hot take when i say most of the original rod serling twilight zone is better than goosebumps but (laughs) i i kind of was taken aback in the the end of this episode because of how horrifying I thought that costuming looked in this in cry of the cat that's okay, but that's the thing though is that like you have like goosebumps is really good at having those moments, but it almost hold like it holds its cards a little too long, and that's okay. where like I think like like when we go back to Carly Beth, which is like what I consider like the gold standard when it comes to goosebumps yeah, nonsense yep. is that it's the idea that, like, when we have Carly Beth, like, doing her nonsense and she's, like, running around, like, like yelling at children, that's at, what, halfway, two-thirds to the first episode? Yeah, that's that's her, like, you know, start to downfall when the mask is taking over, you know, and that Yeah, but that's, yeah. 
but that's, like, you take like a 22 minute episode and that's happening at like what the 13 minute mark <laughs> i know it was like two years ago but did we say something where when she has the mask on and she's being like a total bitch she goes up with her with a uh, Catherine short and Catherine long go up to the house and they're like give us your candy and they're like you're very scary you shouldn't be that mean and she's like go oh, fuck your mother in hell you know I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was a doozy yeah <laughs> no like, like that's yes you're not wrong uh, but like that's what I mean though is that like that is established rather early on and the weird sort of, like that's the thing about Goosebumps is that like yes Goosebumps is for the most part there's always some level of supernatural element occurring in the narrative yeah um, but like you need to establish that very early on and that's what even what happens with Carly Beth where we see like oh god what's it the plaster of Paris had like wink at her yeah. in the first like what the five example minutes? of love yeah 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 and i think that's the thing like again i think oh god if you ever want to make a children's horror anthology series you could watch carly beth one and two and that could tell you everything you know how to make it i think everything to make like a spooky macabre children's tv show is in that in those first two episodes um and i think that's the problem with goosebumps eventually kind of like what it devolved into is that like it tried becoming like too slick to the detriment of the overall show's uh, quality. No, I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying too, too slick and too, you know, th- this is the latest episodes of goosebump we're ever talking about. We've never done a season four episode before. So cry to the cat is the first one that we're ever doing. And I'm, I'm agreeing with you where I even think, you know, in season four and late season three, it's not just that they're trying to be too slick. I think they're being they're trying to be too slick in jamming too much in there, if you know what I mean. Like you said, with the reveal of the cat human hybrid, with the reveal that you know, oh, this cat's demonic, that type of thing. I think there's a you're right. Maybe Goosebumps works better when it is more of the the you know stripped back Twilight Zone esque for kids anthology thing. I I wouldn't even know. I, I wouldn't say that because Twilight Zone. Is again like everything else that Rod Serling touched. It was like everything is supposed to be heady. Like yes. when I think of like like Rod Serling, I think of heady. Even if he even if he doesn't accomplish that, that's what his goal was. Like Goosebumps is meant to be pulpy, but for kids. Yeah, and that's exactly what the Haunted Mask is. Like the Haunted Mask, and it's funny. Like in, I think I referenced it in cut earlier, but like there's this YouTube video that I watched and research for this and like the haunted mask was like the initial like debut of the goosebumps like series yeah and apparently it had like phenomenal ratings like like it won all these awards and i get it like it's like oh like again like we said like a couple years ago like i thought that was phenomenal carly beth because like carly beth just did everything it it needed to do you love it Um, don't get me wrong still i still consider those my least favorite goosebumps episodes (laughs) well no even though rob's insane he can't appreciate carly beth it's the idea like i get how that was the foundation that the rest of the tv series was built upon sure because it 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 nailed it got the ambiance right and that's very See, that's, hard that's to where do. we get into what we did in our first year that's why i love say cheese and die the evil camera episodes that's my ambiance for goosebumps the no. that there's a no. there's a device there's a supernatural thing that is being used by our characters not using our characters and that's what the haunted mask is the mask uses carly beth i want our characters to fall down their own pitfalls or you know self traps of using the camera you know um this okay I don't exactly know how to respond to that. We might be doing this uh, too early. With 15 years of Goosebumps left, we might need to wait till 9 or 10 years to actually start to dissect Goosebumps. 
No, but like this is the thing about Goosebumps though, is that like Goosebumps is this weird thing. Like, okay. Like when it comes to like horror anthology series, Goosebumps is in a very unique pantheon because like like when you think of horror anthology series, the go to is the Twilight Zone. Yes. And then after that is Tales from the Crypt. And then it gets sure. very, very murky. Because there there are so many like for the most part like, like most horror anthology series are pretty good because the people who work on them are usually so diverse. It's usually like like oh God, they hire people for the week, so you get a lot yeah. of like diverse talent. Yeah. Um Goosebumps is weird because like you don't like like Goosebumps will always be a book franchise first and then mm. like a TV series second. Like I said, like that's how I mean like I don't know how to respond to that. Like so, on like no, different layers of just yeah. yeah, I get what you're saying. That, that's the problem. Is like I really don't know what Goosebumps is, like the TV series relative perspective in, is of all this. Because like it's weird. I think I mentioned it last year to Rob. Like I was walking around like somewhere in my town, and I saw someone wearing like a gay Goosebumps haunted mask T-shirt of the the book like the book cover iconography. And I remember telling Rob like, "Oh my God, Rob! Like someone was wearing this." And then, like, as time goes on, like, I see more and more just, like, Goosebumps stuff slowly trickle back, like... Sure. Like, OG Goosebumps stuff trickle back into, like, the yeah. zeitgeist. But, like, at the same time, though, like, you walk around, and this is, like, it, it sounds... I remember, God, Rob, what was this? Years ago, you and I talked about this. I think it was, what, what during the, uh, the music what music movie series maybe even earlier the idea of like like a toddler sized pink floyd t-shirt oh, yes. remember that conversation Rob? <laughs> yeah, like, what, yeah. it's like what is the point of this <laughs> um but this is the thing i think is interesting though they're like i i've seen this a lot lately and i brought up the people who i interact with on a daily basis and no one's been able to give me a good answer it's like i will see nine-year-old little girls wearing t-shirts that have the Friends logo, mm. the NBC thing, and I'm like, nine years old. It's it's this weird time period where like you're you're allowed to wear what you want for the most part, but at the same time, your parents are picking out your outfits. Yep, exactly. And yet, and yet, like, what is there like? like what is there in friends that a nine year old can appreciate other <laughs> other other than like, oh, Matt LeBlanc is funny because he fall down. We to answer that, we would need Ben here. Ben is the uh, of the three of us, the person who likes friends. I can't fucking stand friends. So I don't know. <laughs> but that's the thing, though, is that like like you'll see a nine year old wearing a friend's T-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Which seems horribly horribly misplaced like because it's just like like there's when friends was being written from 94 to 2004 it was not designed for anybody like under the age of 25 definitely yeah and then you look at that and be like oh why isn't there more like goosebumps merchandise out there for the same reason why like you'll go to target and walmart and walmart and they'll have like a central perk t-shirt why isn't there a Goosebumps logo T-shirt? I don't know. I wish there was though. But but was. this is a th but this is the thing though is that like both Friends and Goosebumps are hallmarks of '90s nostalgia for different age brackets, age demographics. The, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But why is it that the people making T-shirts for nine-year-old girls are like Friends logo? Well, and yet oh, well, no. Well, okay. When you phrase it that way, I'm going to go back to the 
the worst answer in terms of how much I hate it, but how much I think it is accurate, and how much it drives this type of merchandising, Friends is memeable. Goosebumps is not memeable. Friends has been memed. Goosebumps has not been memed. That's what it comes down <sighs> to. But, and I okay, hate this, that. No, but it, yes and no, but it goes back to like I guess what stewardship of the fr- franchise or the or the brand. No, no, I think memeability comes down to who heralds it on the internet. I mean, maybe now in the last three, four years, we've been seeing you know PR people with with media like spearhead their own meme campaigns. But for the longest time, from like the 2010s to the 2020s, you know, maybe, you know, like 2010 to 2018, 19, that was just the internet would latch onto things and that determined what was popular. It's the same thing that we talked about. I I don't remember exactly what, but it's like, why hasn't this gotten its day on Adult Swim? It's because people aren't memeing it. There's a reason that they keep playing the, they keep replaying the room because people see the need to meme the room to make that an internet fixture. You you can see Matt LeBlanc as a meme no matter what website you go on. You're not seeing any Goosebumps memes, and that's not a fault of who's running Goosebumps slash Friends. It's the fault of just who are the people that are choosing to post these things. Is it, but like, okay, okay. There's a complex answer to all this. Um, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin unpacking it. You're right. But at the same time, though, is it like whoever owns – like, do we know who owns the rights to Goosebumps, like the TV show? Is it Scholastic? I th- – oh, God. It was Scholastic a while ago. I haven't looked into it in a good bit. But, you know, since it aired like a lot on Fox Kids near at the end of its run, I don't know. Did Disney buy that? I wouldn't know. I, I don't I, know either. Yeah, yeah. I mean I don't think I don't think this is a Disney brand. Um, considering that like Sony has the film rights for it, I don't think it's a Disney brand. Who who did the movie? Would that be the best way to answer this? Who did the uh, Sony? Sony. Sony. Okay, so Sony, Sony. I mean, I don't know who they Sony bought property. the rights from though. That's a that's a good question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that's the thing. We'd have to look into that. I would imagine Scholastic has the the the, uh, the book rights to it. Oh, sure. Sorry, the film rights. Excuse me. Um, yeah, that's why I'd have to guess. I would have to guess that it, that's scholastic on their part okay okay but we're not done with cry of the cat yet there's a little bit we haven't talked about i mean this whole tangent came from us discussing the what i think is absolutely horrifying you know costume of the human cat hybrid thing which you seem to not agree with me with but after it's revealed that our two main characters allison and young zach morris there are the new kind of i don't know sacrifices to rip the cat that rip the cat is going to scratch them and steal their life force in the final moments of Cry of the Cat, we get the scene where Zach Morris tries to distract the cat while our main girl, Allison, does something. And I cannot explain to you, we see Rip the Cat just sit in one place and growl while our characters do things. And I could not stop laughing when this happened. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about, right? The whole thing where where Zach Morris is like, "Hey, you come here often." Like he's trying to distract Ghost Cat and gets like, Rah! like we have a we have a line from a human cut to a puppet cat going. Rah! It's the funniest thing to me. <laughs> it's goofy. Like that's the thing. Like there's there's some schlock element to this. There yeah, is some schlock. Yeah, and it, it's good fun. Of course, they defeat it because Allison earlier in the first part of the episode had a had like a mouse, a, a toy mouse, and she puts chemicals in it, and it kills the cat. Who gives a fuck? But now, the big thing we have to talk about with this episode, it was all 
an episode. Is that the best way to put it? Like, the reveal at the end is that everybody who starred in what we just saw is watching what we just saw? How would how would you break this down, Zach? It's it's like, The first time I watched it, I didn't know what to make of it. I'm like, what? Um, yeah, it gets kind of meta, which is, like, very premature at the time of this is, like, released. Like, the idea of, like, like breaking the fourth well, wall. Well, you're right. It gets like, meta, but it gets stupid meta. It's stupid meta, I think. It is, it is stupid meta. I yeah. hate it. I hate not hated. I hate this ending. <laughs> no, you're you're not wrong. It, it it's it's contrived. But I will forgive it for one reason is that there wasn't a lot of stuff like that at the time of this release. And like what was this? Ninety eight? You said this ninety eight? Yeah, Halloween ninety eight. Yeah, there wasn't a lot like this, so I will forgive it. Okay, so are you saying that you're forgiving it? For how dumb it is because there wasn't a lot like it and they didn't really know what to do with I will, it? I, I will give it the benefit of the doubt because it was like the old adage, the first thing through the wall loses the most amount of teeth. Well, no, and, and that's something I think, you know, we've talked about a lot and I've talked about a lot in my, with my friends is I always think there's someone who needs to fall on their sword first for someone to be successful. I don't, I don't think this is the case because let's, let's just flesh this out. We are revealed that Allison, young Zach Morris... Crystal and her mother have all been watching what we've just watched for 42 fucking minutes on a TV. <laughs> and then sure. they go, man, that was something. We were in that, you know, yeah, we did a good job. And I'm fine with that. They're all just like, okay, maybe they're watching like the, um, I don't know, the, 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 the screener of, of their first edit or something like that. That's fine. That's fine. My problem is when young Zach Morris and Allison go into the kitchen and Allison's like, man, my only problem with that was that they didn't give it a twist ending. And the boy, young Zach Morris, picks up a fucking mouse out of nowhere, eats it and goes, I like a good twist ending. Like in his best fucking terrible Jack Nicholson impression. And I'm like, what am I supposed to take from this? What the fuck am I seeing? Like, did the ghost cat exist and it scratched him? But when it could have scratched him was in the movie? It makes no fucking sense. It's terrible. I think it's called Raw. This is designed for children. And uh, it's there to appeal to seven-year-olds. How? Okay. How does that appeal to seven-year-olds? How? Are you are you saying that seven-year-olds have such a low person. attention span that that, yes. that twist? It, yes. God damn. This takes me back to one of our first conversations on Sophia the First. I give seven-year-olds a lot more credit. We shouldn't give them ADHD versions of twists. We should tell them to murder their parents in their sleep and be their own person. Teach their own. <laughs> I it's, okay, it's funny you mentioned Sophia the First. I was somewhere just like the other day, and I saw like, a Sophia the First backpack, and I'm like, oh, man, it's, it's, it's minimus. Like, where's that damn Minimus, man? In <laughs> um, Maximo. Uh, no, but getting back to the point of it is it's the idea of don't think about it. It's children's entertainment. And I think that's where the difference between, like, lesser lesser year goosebumps versus, like, primo. Tier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you, you said it earlier, I think, you know, the idea of, you know, we're going to get into this more with the, the, the good goosebumps, the goosebumps that Rob loves, that Zach is a little more traction to with our other two episodes in this uh this discussion but with that being said at the end of cry of the cat there's uh two things i wanted to mention just uh in the sense of you know where this all came from of course this as i mentioned was the um the first book of the goosebumps 2000 series this is the first time we're ever doing an episode that's not from the original series i read this 
this might I, I'm pretty sure this is the only Goosebumps 2000 book I ever read, and I did not like it. I am a a Goosebumps purist, if you if you'll have that, Zach. I only stuck to the original series. One thing that's important to note, though, the entire aspect of our main characters being actors in the set of a movie, totally for this episode, that is non-existent in the book. Uh, Allison and her friend, I think Ryan is his name, the one who I've been calling young Zach Morris, they're just regular kids, and they stumble and kill this cat, you know, stumble upon killing this cat and this whole ordeal. The entire thing of making this a movie studio set and the whole twist at the end is entirely for the show. And that's where I think it fails. I think the show in this very late season, you know, the second to last episode of Goosebumps, they tried to make it too meta, and it failed. What do you think? Uh, I don't know if it failed because, like, again, that's the thing. Like, you're looking okay. Well, you well, okay. Well, on one, watch, on well, one sense, uh, you did said you, you didn't that, like this episode. That's the failure I'm talking about. This episode, I'm, tw- I'm also 28 years old. There's a difference. Like, this was not designed for me. Like, when they did this, like, probably filmed this in '97, and they created like a teleplay. It was probably done in '97. And think of how wildly different our culture is since now. Like this is the thing where like I feel for the time this pro like no, the ending is dumb. Like the weird, like like the boy like, the like eating the thing. <laughs> it is dumb. No, 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 no. I can see that. But I think everything up until that point is it is it jarring, yeah. But I do think that for children's entertainment, it was trying. For ninety seven, ninety eight, I'm willing to forgive. I'm willing to forgive them. Is it is it objectively good? No, but I'm willing to forgive them that for like the time being. That was for children's entertainment. They were trying something slightly outside see, the like reservation. See, I, I know what you're saying. We've had this discussion before, but when you say they were trying at that ending, I see them trying as throwing as much shit against the wall as they could and hoping something would stick. Because yeah. we have the twist of the cat-human yeah. hybrid. We have the twist of the, oh, it was a movie. We have the twist of the, the kid eating the mouse at the end. There's so much going on. And I don't know if throwing pasta at the wall to see if it sticks is trying. It's, it's, the, it's the least, you know, effortless thing to do. But they at least had the idea to throw the pasta at the wall, which was, in this specific instance, was rare. <sighs> I that that's where I disagree with you because there had been a Twilight reboot series in the eighties that did the same thing that I really don't like. Well, okay, but that's different though. That's like okay, remember two different like audiences. One for adults, one for kids. Yeah, but I mean they can take from the same wells, and it's it's nothing new. Throwing throwing the pasta at the wall is not new for the late nineties. Not that it's new, but it's the idea that at least. It was the idea that they were experimenting with children's entertainment. If you go back to like nineties, like children's entertainment censorship, it was very. They had to think outside like the norm. That's something that I, I, I don't know too much about. I'm not but saying you're it's making good. a good point. I'm willing, yeah, I'm not saying it's good. I'm saying that I do not think it's egregious, and I'm not going to condemn it. Okay, I think it's egregious, <laughs> and I'm going to condemn it. This is a terrible. <laughs> Uh, I'm not saying it's good. I'm saying it's bad. I'm just not. Well, I'm not going to forsake them for it. I'm going to give them benefit. Yeah, where I am. Fucking this episode is sucks. I hate that this is one you, of the last suck. episodes of Goosebumps. You, you, you Why do I suck? suck? No, no, it's Ghost Cat. <laughs> exactly, Rob. Like I don't even like this. I'm willing to forgive it. That's crazy. The last thing I wanted to mention is that uh, apparently something I did not know until I did my research on this episode. You can find. 
um, the existence of. I, I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to be able to buy this anywhere other than eBay, I would imagine. Um, but this episode, Cry of the Cat Part 1 and Part 2, was put on a DVD. It was yeah, paired. It was paired with an episode, though, that we've discussed before, Say Cheese and Die. How Yay. fucking weird is that? These these episodes have nothing to do with each other. <laughs> Rob, there's no such thing. I, I, it's called like they had some. They just had like, the bare bones in common. No, no, no. There's no bones. There's no bear. There's no bones. There, there's nothing in common with these two episodes. Yes, Rob. They both have goosebumps in the title. That's all. Oh that well, okay. Rob, it's called I Need Something Put on the DVD. Don't question it. I think that you could have easily paired this with another episode we discussed. Take away Say Cheese and Die, the evil camera episode, my favorite episode of Goosebumps, which we talked about three years ago. Take that away. Put in another Ghost Cat episode. What a great transition into Monster Blood, Season 2, Episode 14, originally aired on November 16th, 1996. A little less than two years prior to Cry of the Cat. Okay, Zach, do you recognize that a cat phases into existence in the episode of Monster Blood? It's great. Is it a ghost cat? That's my question for you. Is it a ghost cat? Is it a mystical cat? How do we want to talk about this? Because, of course, remember, hold on, hold on. At the start of this episode, we, we acknowledged that phased into existence cat is named sarah beth one half of carly beth continue <laughs> i'm just laying out all the facts for you zach <laughs> no you're right you're right um okay this okay this is the thing about sarah beth uh this cat is that i don't think it's a ghost cat though because like what she's like a is she a witch like it's very poorly defined so that's why i'm having a hard time making a definitive ruling the episode gives you no information. As far as I remember and from what I looked into, Sarah Beth the cat is existent throughout the entire novel, uh, novella, short story, kids book, whatever the fuck you want to call it. In the in the episode, they open up Monster Blood and this cat phases into existence. That's not the case in the book. The cat is just a part of the house at the beginning, which no, makes I, I, more sense. <laughs> No, I get that. It's it's just the idea that like I I don't think it's ghost cat though. It's it's like okay, something that, you know, I I've, I've mentioned a few brief times on Cinemodities. I'm pretty sure it's something that every time I mention Zach has literally no idea what I'm talking about. Monster Blood, the concept of Monster Blood, not this episode, but the actual Monster Blood. It's like one of the original SCPs. Zach, Zach, do you know what SCPs are? The uh, the the biggest or the largest, most expansive collaborative writing project in human history? SCP. Are you aware of this? Of course, Rob. I know like the back of my hand. Uh, I take that as very sarcastically. So much, so much sar- sarcasm <laughs> in that comment, folks. Monster Blood get, screams to me SCP, and if anybody doesn't know what an SCP is, just literally Google the letters SCP stories. You will go down a rabbit hole that if you like Goosebumps and Twilight Zone, you will spend a lot of time diving into. But no, I don't want to dive into that too much. I think Monster Blood is very similar to an SCP, but... We're we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. We're getting we're getting way ahead of ourselves. There's something we have to talk about before we get into this episode. This is one of my favorite books from the series. I love Monster Blood. Monster Blood is the third book in, in the entirety of Goosebumps, and I think there's Monster Blood two, three, four, and maybe five. I'm if I'm remembering correctly. But here's the thing: not only do I love this book so much, 
I know Zack has heard my mother say the phrase, Holy monster blood! Do you remember this, Zach, that one of my mother's favorite phrases to say to her teenage students at our high school was holy monster blood, and all of her students would go, what the fuck are you saying to us? <laughs> does this ring a bell? I, it does not. Oh, man. To this day, my mom will say, instead of holy shit, she will say, holy monster blood. Monster blood. <laughs> And there's been times in the last, you know, maybe 10, 15 years where she'll say that to me and I'll go, Mom, do you, do you remember what Monster Blood is? And she's like, yeah, yeah, that book. And I'm just like, okay, that works. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Monster Blood is one of the only Goosebumps books I still retain to this day. I know it's been about, you know, two years, I think, because um, Say Cheese and Die and Say Cheese and Die Again, I still own those physical books. Goosebumps books, Monster Blood is also one of them. And I, I swear, Zach, you know, when we get to hang out in the uh, the next month or so, or maybe because we're going through the turnstiles, when we have hung out by the time this episode came out, if you prod my mother in the right way, she will look you in the eye and go, holy monster blood. She loves saying that. <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to like cut my arm like in front of your mother and just like bleed on like the counter and be like, um, um, like, do you need to like, like get a bandaid um, or a doctor? I think, I think these Say days it. after my mom's retirement, you know, she'll look at you and go, Zach, I'm sick of your shit. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, um, so I, I, I would like to, if you allow me, Zach, I would like to give a synopsis of this episode as well. Cause I want to leave the girl who cried monster for you. Um, so monster blood. Like I said, one of my favorite books, one of my favorite episodes, I have to mention it was one of the episodes that was pitched to us maybe two years ago by Maximo, our our good friend Maximo. This is one of the episodes he wanted us to talk about, and uh, we're not talking about it because he picked it. We're talking about it because I love it, you know? So, Zach, don't worry. Everybody still gets one. Remember, he got um, The Scarecrow Walks at Midnight last year. So, Monster Blood, the story or the, uh, the episode takes a lot of liberties, Kid goes to his aunt's, grandma's, something like that, his house for the summer. Brings his dog. Dog's a fucking goober as far as the, uh, the, the aunt is concerned. And it turns out that the aunt is hiding some mystic archives, I guess, in the room that, you know, our main character is told not to go into. And let me just say right off the bat, what an asshole this kid is. He's going up the <laughs> stairs to his bedroom. The aunt is like, please Please, I'm begging you. Oh, my God. I, I, I cannot explain to you. Do not go into that room. And he goes, fuck you, old lady. Fuck yourself. Goes into the room. Him and his friend open monster blood. It keeps growing. It keeps growing. It releases a phantom cat, if we're not calling it ghost cat. It keeps getting bigger and bigger. And eventually, you know, it, it is turned out to be a cursed goo by Sarah Beth, who wants to devour the ant it doesn't really make sense in the episode that's my summary no. of the episode and i wanted to throw it to you because the book is wonderful the book makes a lot of sense i haven't read in a long time but i remember very vividly i want to throw it to you zach does this episode make sense to you i guess that's the first question <laughs> <sighs> not really it's kind like, of all the over the place right I, I don't know if it's an issue of like making sense or not is that the rules of the goo, the monster blood are poor, like ill-defined. Well, one, it grows. 
It makes things grow. Yeah. And it eats people. It 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 almost at the very end of the of the show starts to take on a um a blob type quality, right? <laughs> oh yeah. That's that's the weird thing about the blob though, is that like it's the idea that like it, it just seems to be growing at times. Then, like, if you ingest it like the dog dog does, it makes you grow. Yes. But if it consumes you, it just kind of like, oh, God, it, like, it's suspension. Like, oh, God, it suspends you, like, indefinitely. Yeah, yeah. That That's something that the sequels of the books get into more about what it does to certain things. Um, of course, the end of this episode and the book is that, you know, they get on the plane or the kid gets on the plane and the other kid in the plane is like, man, what if it got stuck to your shoe? That's, like like one of the things of the um the the further books is that you know uh like a pet gerbil gets a hold of monster blood and grows huge a praying mantis gets a hold of, ger- of monster blood and gets huge that type of stuff the this episode is just kind of like i don't, I don't know i i, I kind of don't like this episode compared to the book as much as i love the book because i think you're in agreement with me zach the whole idea is oh stupid kids are stupid they unleash monster blood they try to control it turns out that it unleashes sarah beth She's mean, but then a dog pushes her back into the monster blood, right? It's it's really loose, if anything. It's kind of, yeah, it, it's all over the place. Yes, yes. And I, I think this is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this before we got into The Girl Who Cried Monster, which I think is a, a, a barely a tighter story. But monster blood is kind of just, I, I kind of see it as being the second season of Goosebumps, I think they were kind of showing off what they could do, if that makes sense. Like the special effect of the giant dog, like the uh, the the goo going through the doorway. I, I felt that Goosebumps as a TV show with Monster Blood was trying to give almost a tech demo of the special effects they could show off, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's no, def, no, definitely. Like, <sighs> I really want to throw. I, like I want to throw demo. to you. Like, what, weird, what do you like, think? Yeah, cool. what do you think? Yeah. Uh, no, like I. <sighs> I wouldn't call it a tech demo. I would say that it's more in in line with things like, oh god, like very old school, like practical effects. If I don't know if to call that, is this like, oh god, composite? And that, like <laughs> yeah, when we yeah, have like what yeah. is it, Tripper? Tripper the dog? Trip Trigger is the dog. Trigger, name. Trigger, Excuse yes. Me. Trigger a dog's dog. name that would never be allowed today. <laughs> no. Um, when we have him. And we have that moment where we what, have Sarah Beth, what, like, What's your dog's him. name? Mac-10 submachine gun. <laughs> yeah, not wrong. Um, <laughs> no, and that's the thing, is that it's it's old school effects in that regard, and that's where, like, even though it's kind of, like, corny and hammy, I appreciate it. So, so are Does you, it hold up? No, but it's kind of amusing. Are you are you speaking specifically about the uh, the dog, the giant dog composited through the window in the door where the paw comes through at the end? Oh yeah, like it's oh. goofy as hell, but I enjoyed it. I think I did a little like giddy clap when I saw this the other night. I was like, "That's fucking stupid," and I love it. <laughs> it is. It's dumb, but it's goofy. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. It's it's fun, of course. Also because it kind of you know. From a base storytelling perspective, it makes sense that the giant dog, who they've established early in the episode, comes back to the house to deal with Sarah Beth, the cat human. And, you know, I love the fact that when the dog pops up at the window, Sarah Beth, when she's in human form, she's, like, hissing at the dog through the window. <laughs>
corny nonsense in this. But I do think, like, between that and even, like, I know, like, I love how the one kid's like, scoop up the goo. And the girl's like, I'm not scooping up the goo. And he gets her, like, like, what, like a dustpan. He's like, just yeah. scoop it up. And, he's like, just scoop it up and put it in the bucket. And he gets, like, he takes, like, the plant out of the, like, like oh, God, the planter. Yes. And he just starts, yes. like, like, awkwardly scooping it Here's up. Here's another bucket. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, no, I, one of my, one of my notes is legitimately, like I v- verbatim, I wrote, so it turns out that watching little kids scoop goo into a bucket while an old lady dances around with a conductor's wand while intense orchestral music plays is a thing to see. <laughs> it is, it is. Oh, man. It's it's kind of like, you know, in comparison to Cry of the Cat, I think in comparison to a lot of the Goosebumps episodes we've watched in these last, you know, three years, previous three years, four years, this is a lot of schlocky fun, I think. Schlock, uh, yes. Yeah. Fun, I'm not entirely sure okay. about. That, yeah, the then next... we're getting into the Goosebumps, me loving it. Yeah. 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 yeah like, no, the next segment we talk about will definitely be more in the schlocky fun category. Oh, yeah. This one, like, don't get me wrong. It's 100% better than Ghost Cat. But, oh, God. Uh, yeah, Ghost fucking, Cat the, uh, once Goosebumps again, just variety. to reiterate, Cry the Cat sucks as a Goosebumps it episode. <laughs> it does, but Ghost Cat. Um, I mean, Ghost that's Cat. That's a thing. I mean, Ghost Cat. Ghost Cat. I mean, I got really drunk one night, and I woke up two inches from my TV in front of the cry of the cat. I thought it was Ghost Cat. (laughs) (laughs) I hate when that happens. I told my Um, boss he gave me a day off of work for Ghost Cat. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't even even know if there's any usefulness to pointing out the same jokes we made in the Others episode. Like, literally, at the one-hour mark of, of the Others episode, Zach and I go hard into Ghost Cat, and it's fantastic. It really is. Um, but okay. no, the thing about the thing about Monster Blood is that like I saw it as like a fun sort of like tie into the Flubber universe. Yes, so, like, the kid like like throws it, like oh this is fun let's just like 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 throw this on the ground and see what happens. <laughs> it's like evil, maybe not evil, but all consuming Flubber type of thing. Yeah. Where, where Flubber can exist on a surface and give you powers, Monster Blood can exist on a surface and take your powers by devouring you. But that's the thing, though, is that, like, like, like you said earlier, like, Monster Blood's rules, as in, like, not the episode, but the actual, like, go, mm-hmm. the rules kind of come and go. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I found kind of jarring, is that, like, oh, like, in some instances, like, it can Ooh. consume you, Ooh. puts you in a state of, like, suspended animation. Zach. Uh, for some reason, it makes the dog explode. Zach, you just um, made a fantastic pun. You said the rules of Monster Blood to you are jarring. And what is Monster Blood put in by our aunt and released from by our main characters? A uh, jar. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Dude, I don't I mean I mean if we don't get sixty plus Patreon subscribers because of that joke you just made. Okay. I want everyone <laughs> when they hear this moment, I want you to take the subscribe button to pound town. Pound an Odd number of times. You know what, Rob? Let's be reckless. Just take it to Pound Town. Let's see what happens. Oh, you want it? You want to roll the dice? <laughs> this, this, this is the my nose hit the mic my... a little bit there. 
<laughs> this is the equivalent of not using a condom. I just don't want you to sit there. I want you to take it on, like, just take a subscribe button on a pound. pound. Just, <laughs> just go nuts. Just go nuts. We'll see you, what the dice you, you, this, this probably should have come up years ago, but now I'm thinking that we do some type of, like, televised basic cable commercial for <laughs> Cinemodities, and we talk about how you should take the subscribe button to Pound Town, and our commercial is literally somebody sitting in front of a computer slamming a button on a mouse going, Oh, like that would be hilarious. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Oh my god. So you liked Monster Blood better than Cry of the Cat. I think we're both in agreement, but you oh, didn't. Hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, I mean, of course, Cry of the Cat's fucking garbage. Um. So a few of the moments that I wanted to mention from Monster Blood, because I think we summarized it well. You know, we talked about this stuff. Sarah Beth, I mentioned as well. That was kind of the, the craziest thing to see that we had a, a cat, a phase into existence, non-ghost cat, be Sarah Beth. I really kind of laughed out loud at a few moments in this episode. And the first one was when our main character kid, he shows up to the aunt's house and his parents drop him off. And I think his parents are getting ready to leave and he's ready to go in to see the house, to see his room, that type of thing. And his aunt says, before you do anything, tie that beast up in the backyard. And there's a hard cut to the dog looking so fucking happy. <laughs> like the dog looks so excited to just be there. And I thought that was hilariously edited. Now, this was something I mentioned before. We get, of course, the local girl, the local friend that, uh, you know, is our secondary protagonist. Her name is Andy. She's the girl riding around on her bike, uh, you know, that um, thinks that uh, the, the aunt's house is weird and stuff like that. I just, wa I just want to read this note to you because I, I mentioned it a little earlier. I want to know what you think. Start quote. Andy looks like a young Daisy Ridley or a blob of pixels. I can't really tell. That helmet makes her look like a hardcore goober, end quote. <laughs> yes, Rob, I know that's your opinion. Well, well, well I mean, just, just Andy, Andy, the character in general, um, you know, she is played by someone named Sarah Podemsky, of course, not Daisy Ridley. I got, I got some Daisy Ridley vibes in the few moments of this Goosebumps episode in which I could make out facial features, if that makes sense. I know that makes sense to you, Zach. <laughs> I did not get that right. Oh, okay, I did okay. not. Um, so now this brings us to I had to introduce Andy because in the episode, of course, Andy becomes friends with our main character. Uh, they go into the house. They go into the room. They release the monster blood. The phantom cat, ghost cat, phase cat, whatever the fuck we're calling it, comes into play. And as they're doing this, the ant drives up in her car. And our main character is like, oh, no, you know, we can't let her know we were in this room, that type of thing. You have to go distract her. This might be the best joke in Goosebumps history. This might be the best joke I've heard in a long fucking time. And I, I think this every fucking year. This is so funny to me. When the aunt pulls up in her car and she starts to get out of the driver's seat, Andy pops out of the side door of the house. And she's like, oh, you know, hey, how's it going? And the aunt goes, who, who are you? And she goes, I'm Andy, Evan's friend. And the aunt responds, Andy, Evan's friend. Are you related to the Chicago Evan's friends? <laughs> Is that not the greatest goddamn thing you've ever heard, Zach? Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Hi. Who are you? Andy, Evan's friend. Andy, Evan's friend. 
Are you related to the Chicago Evans friends? Huh? How stupid is that joke and how poignantly fucking funny for this useless kid show is that joke? <laughs> like, that is a very deep, deep cut reference. As a, Not even a reference, but just like a joke when it comes to, like, surnames. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it takes it takes like layers of knowledge to understand that joke. <laughs> that is definitely like like a like a relatively highbrow adult joke in a children's show. I laugh at that ideas. every fucking year. I think you know before going through this year of goosebumps for months, well, the month of October, not technically monstover. I think this is the best joke in all of Goosebumps. I honestly yeah, think probably. that is that is such a clever joke, and the way it's delivered. Like, of course, I'll put the clip in, but the Andy Evans friend. Are you related to the Chicago Evans friend? Like the pause, the intonation, the delivery, the look on young Daisy Ridley's pixelated face. Oh God, it's so great, man! I love that joke. I honestly, that's one of the jokes that I'm upset I don't get to make more in my everyday life because no one talks to me that way. You know? <laughs> I was like, oh man, I wish I could make that clunky joke. Oh, it's so clunky. It's so beautiful. I absolutely love it. Uh, another thing we have to talk about, of course, after Andy and our main character are in the house, uh, a little later on, they're served cookies. By the ant. My note is, those cookies look like straight ass. <laughs> They're green. They're green, grayish lumps of nonsense that seem disgusting, not only in visuals, but when our characters chomp down on them, they go, Ugh. like they make nauseous faces, right? Well, that's the thing that's kind of fascinating, is that like the girl doesn't eat them. Oh, that's right. We just see our, our main our main kid. And she's like, eating, she's yeah. like, I already ate, and it's like, oh, and he eats it, and like they're green. Like, and he makes a comment earlier that like they taste like cat litter. Yes, yes, that's right. Fucking, that'll come back up when we talk about our snacks. <laughs> indeed, Rob. Indeed. Um, one of the things that I absolutely love, which we talked about in previous years, I'm pretty sure in this episode as well. They did a lot in the first and second seasons. There's some moments. I think one moment. In this episode, some moments in the uh, entirety of the first and second seasons, where we get a slowed down, kind of more melancholic version of the Goosebumps theme as part of our score. And I love hearing that. I love hearing like the, you know, but slow down, it's great. Empty. I'll be back in a few minutes. I also want to mention there's a moment when our main character tries to rip a tablecloth off of a table. You know, like <laughs> like like you'd expect, you know, yep. a magician to like, oh well, look at all the stuff still standing. It's kind of fucking hilarious that when he rips the tablecloth off of the table, the vase, like the plates and the utensils all stay where they are, but the vase in the middle of the table shatters upon release. It's not like the, the vase gets pulled off the table. It's like as soon as the vase feels any traction, it shatters. <laughs> I love, I, it's funny, like, as, as somebody who was watching this for the very first time, in that moment, like, is about to happen, I'm like, oh, are they going to make, like, like, do like a funny ha-ha here? And it's like, nope, 
they're just gonna have him uh, just pull the tablecloth <laughs> off and just knock everything. <laughs> like I liked it. That was a great like anti joke, like, anti humor yeah, level joke. Yeah, it's absolutely hilarious. Hilarious. Um, well, I, I think we summarized it. I think I mo- mentioned my moments. Was there anything you want to talk about with Monster Blood? Any uh, any specifics or characters or anything like that, Zach? Monster Blood is kind of dull, but like it leads. It wasn't like it's boilerplate goosebumps. Like it was inoffensive, yeah. but it's it's decent enough. This is more of a, a a good representation of I think what the entirety of Goosebumps is compared to something like Cry of the Cat. Um, you know, talking about this year, we've we've talked about probably better representations of Goosebumps in the last three years, but this is this might be the best that we're gonna get for you know just what Goosebumps is. I think in this episode, you know. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. Okay, okay, right on. Just just some things to mention, of course, as I always do. Um, monster blood in the book. It's not something that the aunt has in her house that they uncover. It's something that they buy from a toy store. Uh, there's a whole detail in the book about how, you know, the kid gets it from the toy store and is, finds it unruly and needs to control it. Um, Sarah Beth, the cat, is a cat that exists in the aunt house, aunt's house the entire time. Um, I think the episode tries to jam in too many things about, you know, making everything connect when really it should be, you know, the kids stumble onto something uh, that the aunt has been, you know, protecting for years, not in the way the episode does it. I just wanted to mention that. So, with that being said... We get to the last episode we're discussing today, which is Season 1, Episode 4, originally aired on November 11th, 1995, based on the eighth book in the series, The Girl Who Cried Monster. Now, Zach, there's two things I want to mention with this episode. One, we're doing this because we talked about it last year. I am very sorry to say, which I probably should have mentioned earlier, we don't have Ben on for this episode. Did Did you realize that, Zach? Ben's not here? Did you realize that? I missed that? Ben Deucer, the poet uh, laureate. The ben would have loved to be here. Ben, Kylo Ben. The, no, no, no. Please stop. Please stop. He graduated Please, different no, titles over no, the course of different no, series. No, no. Ben expressed the to me. The far detective, the meat lover. Ben expressed to me. Our Ben. Not the Ben <laughs> Zach is describing. Ben expressed to me a few days ago when I told him, I was like, you know, oh, we got, we got Goosebumps ready. We got some other stuff to record. He was like, oh, if I can make it, we'll do this. If I can't make it, you guys do Goosebumps. And he said the words to me. I don't like watching Goosebumps, but I like talking about Goosebumps. So we we are sad that we don't have him here, but we had to include this episode because if everybody remembers from last year, when it was Zach, Ben, and I, Zach chose an episode, I chose an episode, Ben chose an episode. And when we got to Ben's episode last year, I said, Ben, why'd you pick this one? And he went, uh, because I opened the spreadsheet and that was the first one that I saw that wasn't picked. And I went, oh. Okay. And we joked about the fact that he would pick the next episode chronologically. And of course, Haunted Mask, episodes one and two, we discussed. We discussed the Cuckoo Clock of Doom, episode three. And so now, in honor of Ben, even though he's not here, we're discussing season one, episode four, The Girl Who Cried Monster. The other thing I want to say is that this was an episode, if Zach remembers, after our first year with Attack of the Jack-O-Lanterns, Zach said to me, Jesus Christ, Rob, this was so fucking good. Give me more goosebumps like this. And the girl who cried monster was one of the ones I thought of. I thought Zach would like this in the monstober sense. And I guess I'm going to hear, and our audience is going to hear for the first time, Zach, does, is, is this a good episode of Goosebumps as far as you're concerned? I don't think it's going to hold up to Haunted Mask or Attack of the Jack-O-Lanterns, 
But does this give you a Monstober feeling like I thought it would? Rob, Uh-oh. you are right. Oh, I'm right? It is not Carly oh. Beth level. Yes. But it is Attack of the Jack-O-Lanterns Ooh, level. This is... I feel happy because I – this is like literally three years ago. If you go back to that fucking Monstober 2018 Goosebumps episode, this is an episode I cite. And I go, man, Zach, if you like that one, you'll like this one. I'm so glad I got this right. This episode is kind of fucking great, I think. <laughs> oh, it's – no, it's fun. It, like That's the thing. Like this is – Everything I want out of horror anthology, um, it's that perfect blend of, like, the macabre, but also very, very stripped down and that it's not that over the top outside of, like, the antagonist without giving away, like, the whole episode. Um, that's the thing. Like, it's it's rather bare bones, but it gets – it does so much – it's a definition of doing more with less. Uh, and absolutely. That's you, you and that's something that Goosebumps yeah. needs to really learn bad. Uh, well, well, I, I don't know if they really need to learn it. It's something they did know and lost throughout their 75-episode run, I think. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> So, Zach, no, I am so happy to say this because literally I think in the first year of Goosebumps and the third year, I mentioned this as, like, Zach, this is what you should watch. If you like those episodes, you'll like this. I'm so fucking happy to hear that you like this and why I was saving this for the end. Zach, please... Can you give me and our audience a synopsis of The Girl Who Cried Monster? Uh, the Boy Who crawled, Cried Wolf, but with a monster that works the library. That's it? <laughs> that is it. Okay. That's kind of perfect. <laughs> that, exactly. It's The Boy Who Cried Wolf, except instead of a wolf, it's a monster that works at the library. Okay, okay. This is, this is the one that when I watched this, this was actually the first one I watched out of these four uh, you know, episode. Well, three episodes, kind of the Cry the Cat part one, part two, we had four. This was the first one I watched, and I'm so glad I kicked it off this way. Because, you know, it was kind of like really late at night. I think I started these Goosebumps episodes like 2 a.m. or some shit like that. And I started with The Girl Who Cried Monster because I was like, man, this is early Goosebumps. This is pure Goosebumps. I'm so happy to technically start my Goosebumps Monstober with this. And I guess the first place to start is... The quality is so bad. I love it. This uh, is the okay, this is the episode. Hold on, Zach. Hold on, Zach. Give me give me one moment. Oh, the quality is so bad. I love it. Okay, now continue. <laughs> You're a monster. Um, they reuse they reuse the monster transformation shots. They just mirror image them. And it's so cheap and it's so beautiful and it's so pixelated. I love it. <laughs> okay. I want on record that the quality Rob gave me that gave me this in like he could just give me like just like black just pixels and i've been like i can't tell the difference (laughs) i don't know if i've made this joke before but if you've ever seen like censored pornography where where parts are blurred out of people imagine that but on the whole screen and more blurred out (laughs) he's not wrong it is unseeable Not wrong. I fucking Not love wrong. it, Zach. <laughs> so, so you you found a better what do you say? Daily Motion. I think you mentioned earlier. Yes. Better. Okay. 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 Oh no! Please, please. I I want to hear your experience. I'm so I, I'm so I'm fucking ecstatic that you love this episode, and I thought you were gonna love it. So please tell us all about it. No, it's uh, there, there's not a lot to say. Um, it's it, it's so simplistic, but it gets like it has. Oh God. Like that's the thing. Like I kind of like I don't know how to describe this episode because I feel like if I do, it'll just sound so bare bones. But I think that's the genius in it. It's you have this girl character. She does a lot of nonsense words. The boy who cried wolf. 
werewolf. And then, like, there's this monster, quote-unquote, that works at the library. Um, I want to be a reading ranger. That alone should be said. Um, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that when we talk about snacks. Um, we have reading rangers. She goes to the library. There's this monster character who's, like, a librarian. The parents invite him over for dinner, and they eat him because he's a monster because they want to keep their secret contained. I don't care if he's like, a drooling werewolf. He's coming for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> great line of dialogue great so great yeah like no it's 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 pretty goofy but it does it's it's so to the point and there's not over embellishment and there's a good twist like much like in contrast to our first episode yep. we discussed yeah the twist is appropriate here the twist in cry of the cat makes me go this is stupid. I hate it. I don't like this. This is unsatisfying. The twist at the end of The Girl Who Cried Monster, which is the fucking children are aware that their family is monsters, blows my fucking mind every year I see this. The The idea that the two little kids go, yeah, yeah, we know we're monsters, but this is a different monster and you need to eat them. I'm like... The fucking kids know they're monsters? It it kills me every fucking year, like I said. <laughs> it's kind of great in that regard, too, because like this is something I feel like would not be allowed in today's culture. The idea of, like, oh, the monster's, like, closing ranks and, like, I wrote, their own. I wrote this twist butt fucks me in my notes. <laughs> I, that also is not allowed, but uh, moving on. <sighs> wow, okay. <laughs> No, I mean, no, you're not You're not wrong. I'm so glad we're in agreement about this episode. I, I think we can say out of the three stories we've watched for this Monstober, this is the best one, right? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, we, uh, it's, it's like leaps and bounds ahead. And I think you said it best. The simplicity of it makes it so immaculate. Just the fact that, you know, you have girl, you know, thinks her librarian's a monster, starts to feel paranoid about it. It's realizing she's she's right. And the twist is that, her family's monsters that want to eat other monsters to keep their secrets safe. It's, it's wonderful. Like, Oh God, do you remember that? You know remind me of, it reminded me of sleepwalkers. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. The, one of the movies that Zach made me watch in preparation for Monstober that did, we did not cover for Monstober, but you're absolutely right. It has that same kind of feel with the, uh, the monster aspect. Yeah, exactly. And that's where I kind of got like, – it's funny. Like Sleepwalkers kind of seems like a low-key theme of these year's uh, Goosebumps-like episodes because you have like the cat element. Speaking of ghost cat, Rob. Ghost cat. Uh, you have all that stuff. But no, like, like – oh, God. That's the thing. Like, I, ghost cat. I, I, yes. I love this episode of Goosebumps. It's just that, like I don't know how to talk about because it like, it's so like to the point. It feels like – the more I talk about it, like it's a detriment to the overall just quality of the episode. Ah, and that I think that is uh, this is maybe the second or third time. This, I think you said something similar when we talked about the haunted mask for the first time. You were like, "This is great," you know. Like I, I don't want I, I don't want to ruin it by talking about it, you know. And that's that's what I strive for. When Zach finds an episode of Goosebumps that he loves so much that he doesn't want to talk about it, you know, it's going to be good. <laughs> I don't know if I, I, that's the thing though. Is that like. It's so just oh god. Well, it, let, let's how about I don't want to say bare bones storytelling, but it's the idea that like it's just so simplistic 
Yeah. And that like yeah. it has a very direct message, but it's it goes back to that old adage of there's only ten stories in the history of mankind. It's just the issue of retelling them all. Yes. Yes. And I think that's what this episode of Goosebumps is. Well, well, I want to. Idea- I want to ask you about a few things because I'm I'm so glad. Like I said, I'm ecstatic you love this episode. I, I'm ecstatic we found another Goosebumps, and I think hopefully every year for the next 15 years we're doing Goosebumps. I'll find at least one that you enjoy. But I I want to I want to start at the beginning. Our main girl, her name is Lucy, played by Deborah Scorsone. I fucking love her performance in this. I love Lucy's performance in this. I think it's one of the best Goosebumps performances we're ever going to get. But it starts with her making fun in a horrific, scary way of her brother talking about the razor-toothed toe biter. You know, it, she's she's talking about how you can't put your feet in the uh, the the low shrubs of the house because the razor-toothed toe biter is going to take her toes off. Very, very, to make an obscure reference that I hope at least one person will get, very, very reminiscent of the sand shark story from In the Land of the Lawn Weenies. But then we get the reveal that she's just making fun of her brother, and she goes into her home, and the brother's freaked out, and she he has the brother has great kid dialogue of, yeah, yeah, there is a there is a razor tooth toe biter. All her toes are gone. Wait, how how'd you get all your toes back? How'd you, how'd your toes grow back? You know that type of thing. It's it's setting up the girl who cried wolf motif that you were mentioning earlier, Zach. But then we get this kind of slow burn. This slow interaction of her with the library, with the librarian, with I think his name is Mr. Mortimer, with uh, understanding that he's a little weird, he's a little strange, and the episode comes to a halt in a good way, not exposition, in a good way of reveal, when we get that first monster transformation scene. This is what I wanted to pick your brain about, Zach. We talked about how, you know, I might have found the, the cat monster in Cry of the Cat very horrific, but we just see that matter-of-factly come onto stage. We get the magic of movie editing, eyes opening, mouths turning into teeth, that type of thing, from this episode. What do you think about the monster makeup in The Girl Who Cried Monster? Uh, it's, it's goofy. Um, oh, it's so like, goofy. I mean, but, it, it's, but it's, it's, it's goofy in a sense of fun, I think. I have so much fun watching that transformation. It is. No, no, it's goofy. Um, it's... it's that's the thing it's so just goofy like it's a man like almost wearing like a prosthetic mask with like gog like googly eye goggles top half mask because you can clearly see his bottom mouth is unexposed it's like a top half mask with crazy eyes and some pointy shit at the top you know yeah no you're absolutely right and i think that's what finds it like i don't know if it's charming but it's definitely endear i think it's cheap and charming i think it is cheap and charming which is true. Like, that's the thing I find, like, oh. The, pr- find- the protruding eyeballs is what gets me because I, I think Zach knows this. I don't like eye stuff. Like, if you got to deal with your eyes, that really grosses me out. When we get those close-ups of just, like, an eyeball protruding and just the eyelids opening, like, that is horrifying. But at the same time, in the essence of what Goosebumps is giving us in this episode, it's fun as well. It's, it's kind of a weird thing. I mean... I, I didn't think I would have, I would ever be able to say this, but it's like gross eye stuff mixed with charming, fun horror 
in some sense. Well, it's it's goofy. It's not very like much like in juxtaposition of like robbing. Like I want to see a cat run over. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not gory. It's, it's it's more. I want to see it like a pancake. Yeah. I, oh my god! I want to see. Like I said, I want to see a gallon of blood squirt up to our main <laughs> character because Rob's they touched like a cat. Raimi. You know, Rob's like, I want you to think Sam Raimi <laughs> level of just like corn. I want that level. When of corn. Zach and I inevitably make our movie together it's gonna be a huge bonus feature just six hours of just zach and i sitting in a writer's room and i'm going 17 gallons of blood and zach's like can we compromise on three and i go 20 gallons of blood (laughs) no but this is fun this is goofy this is this is what a kid's horror show should be, you know? Like, there's a reason that I love the Twilight Zone for their restraint of showing these things. And like we said with, like, Alien or any monster movie, you have to... You don't want to blow your wad. You want to hold that monster. This does that thing. And when it reveals the monster, it's the point of the episode. And it makes it so goofy and fun that it's just undeniable. But the thing about, though, is... And this is when you're talking about, like, in narrative terms. Okay. Like, if you're watching this, and this is, I think, where I think later year Goosebumps kind of misses the boat, is the reveal of the monster. Like, in the cat, like, two-parter, the monster, quote-unquote, the reveal, is at the very end with, like, Ghost Mom. Yeah, yeah. Ghost Mom Cat. The thing that's really charming, narratively speaking, and very clever about this is that you think the revealed twist of the monster is googly eyes monster librarian man ah. but in reality the reveal twist ending is that the parents are the true monsters yes yes it, it, it's, it's I, a bait and switch absolutely exactly and i think that's where how later day goosebumps kind of misunderstands what made the original episodes so endearing yeah, you're right. I mean, just in comparison of this story to Cry of the Cat, you know, talk about beautiful simplicity in The Girl Who Cried Monster. Talk about overdrenched nonsense in Cry of the Cat, right? Well, yeah, like, it is... The, I, that's the thing about Cry of the Cat is that, like, you read that original book. Is that... Are those two episodes really... Is there that much information in that book that needed to be two episodes? No, 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 not at all, not at all. Like I said earlier, you know, they added a lot to the episode "Cry of the Cat." Uh, the book is a lot more straightforward, and I think it—it's not my—it's nowhere near my favorite Goosebumps book because I fell off with the Goosebumps two thousands. But no, no, th- this is this is one of the things where I'm like, dude, I'm watching the book come to life. I'm watching the simplicity of the narrative come to life, and I'm feeling the same way that I felt when I read the book. And and that that might be like the thesis of all these Goosebumps episodes when we go 15 years from now and finish all of them. When they adapt the book, it's good. When they make changes, it fucking is stupid and boring. <laughs> but I think that's the key there. Changes versus adapting the material. Yep, yep, yep. And that's the thing. Like, I don't know. I never read any of the OG like Goosebumps books. Like, I haven't read any Goosebumps books. Yeah, period. I know. I know. We know. We know. You're a goober. Yeah, of course. I am. I am indeed a goober. <laughs> I'm a Goosebumps goober. I'm a GG. Um, <laughs> that, but like, this is the thing. Though, it's like, there's a reason why someone like me, who's a, I don't even know what you would call me. Like, I don't want to say I'm a horror aficionado because I don't like all horror. I'm a like macabre aficionado. And there's something so endearing 
Like I don't even I don't think charming's the right word for this. It's I think endearing. you're giving yourself a little just just from my perspective, Zach, and of course this is not meant in any offensive way. I think I don't think you're a macabre aficionado. I honestly think you're a murder aficionado. You love the Jasons, you love the Freddies, you love the slashers, you love the death, that type of thing. I that's just I'm just calling it like I see it from this point, you know. That is not true because I love Carly Beth running around being like, I'll slit your throats. Um, oh, okay, so the example you take is her threatening murder to prove me wrong? That's okay. Different. That's okay, different. That's, Zach. Okay. That, that is completely different. Okay. That is Let's open this to a Twitter poll to see if Zach likes murder. <laughs> There's a difference between uh what's he called? Uh Oh God! What's what's the legal definition of that? Um, murder? No, <laughs> Carly Beth doesn't murder anybody. Oh, what's that called? Um, oh God! Because the letter C. Oh, you're right. Murder. Conspiracy. Conspiracy. <laughs> Conspiracy to commit murder. Okay. There's a difference. Oh, okay, Zach. Oh, okay. Oh, that that might be Rob, the thing that we should bury. A... We should bury Rob, that. You know. <laughs> Rob, there's a difference between murder and conspiracy to commit. You murder. said there's it twice now. We really need to bury that. That's not going to work well in court. I'm just telling you that now, Zach. <laughs> Zach, going. There's a difference between murder and conspiracy to commit murder. <laughs> No, I'm just I'm just making fun of you. I know what you mean. Talk to Carly Beth. And and this this episode I think gets a lot of what, you know, you and I both love about Goosebumps. I'm so glad we get to talk about it is because there's this this sense of imminent dread in the sense that, you know, a monster's going to eat you. You know, that murder sense to use your phrase because you love murder so much. Um but just the the horror and paranoia of what this monster means in your life. I love that juxtaposition in this episode because one of my another one of my favorite things about Goosebumps it, it comes up in this episode when the librarian shows up at, you know, um Lucy's house to bring her her backpack. Lucy starts by saying like, "Oh, you know, my parents aren't home right now. Wait, no, 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 no. My my parents are going to be back any minute. Wait, no, no, no. Uh, uh mom, is dad still cleaning his rifle?" <laughs> I genuinely laughed out loud at that it's, moment. No, that 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 monologue from Lucy about her like frantically protecting herself is wonderful. That's one of the best moments in all of Goosebumps. Just to start with, they're not home right now, and slowly leapfrog your way to, Mom, is Dad still cleaning his rifle? It's wonderful. <laughs> Good evening, Lucy. May I come in for a minute? No. My parents aren't home right now. I mean, they'll be home any minute. I mean, they're in the bathroom. Mom, is Dad still cleaning his rifle? It's okay, Lucy. It's really you that I've come to see. That would not be allowed today. Oh, no, of course not, because if a dad cleans his rifle... Um, he's going to jail, you know? <laughs> he has a firearm, which means evil. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, I have some other moments and stuff like that from this episode. Were, were there any you wanted to highlight? Uh, did you want to talk more about the uh, theme of it or anything like I, that? I love that ending. Like, like once they eat the the proverbial bad guy. Oh, yes. yes. I love how, like, the little, like, the friend, like, knocks on the window. With the mask. Like, with the monster mask. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And I love the, like, oh, God, it's so, it's so corny. But I find it nothing short of delightful. 
and they're like, like, because it's like, oh, like, do you want to stay for dessert? And he's like, yeah, what you guys having? You. You. And it's like, well, you like, like cherry, cherry pie, pie <laughs> don't you? And then, like, it cuts the credits, and I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. This is delightful. Yeah, it it really is. It's it's kind of great. It's the I think we're both in agreement. It's just the best episode of Goosebumps we're talking about in this uh, this year's you know Goosebumps episode. That whole ending, you know, just the like I mentioned before, it gets me every fucking year, man. When when the kids are like, you know, oh he was a monster. Yeah, we ate him. Oh, okay. So glad you're monsters, mom and dad. And it's like the fucking kids know about it. And they're like, in a few years, you're going to get your training fangs. And I'm like, fuck me! Like, what is this? Like, I want to know more about Lucy and her brother getting monster fangs. Oh, God. Like I said, Lucy, played by Deborah Scorsone, this is the only thing that she's, like, ever been in. You know, her IMDb is so scant. She's great. I love Lucy in this episode. I mean, you know, it's... It's it's wonder that that twist is wonderful. That twist. This is one of the twists. I know I've told you about this before, Zach. A twist needs to recontextualize what you've just watched, and that's what a twist should be. And that's why I fucking hate a lot of M Night Shyamalan. The twist is just like whoa. You want to think differently about the last two minutes? That's why I fucking hate Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot throws you a twist every three episodes, and as I'm watching it, I go, wait, no, this doesn't change anything I've seen. Like, this doesn't recontextualize the themes, the feelings, the motifs, anything. This is a twist that's worth having. The reveal that not only are the parents monsters that eat the librarian and have been tracking the librarian based on what the kids have said because they think he's a monster, but the kids also know that the parents are monsters! Fucks me up, man. Fucks me up. This is a good twist. This is a good twist. Yes. Did you ever watch Mr. Robot? No, Rob. I do not like Robbie Malley. Fuck that show. Fuck that fucking show, that garbage piece of shit show. It's one of the worst television shows I've ever seen. You know, this is this is actually where I, I take, you know, The Girl Who Cried Monster, this season one, episode four of Goosebumps, and I actually would put it in contention with good twists of 1960s fucking Twilight Zone that recontextualize things, that make you think about what you just saw, that make it worthwhile having a twist. Fuck twists that are just there to to make you fucking tweet about it and watch the next episode. That shit infuriates me. The twist is all men are rapists. Uh, well, no, Zach. The twist is actually The Rock didn't do anything. All men are just rapists. <laughs> <laughs> God. Okay, can we take a quick tangent? Is that the most offensive piece of television ever put to film? Ever put to media? Oh, God. The idea that, like, oh, men are just inherently evil. Anybody who does not know what we're talking about, we're talking about it's one of the first season episodes of The Twilight Zone. Uh, Jordan Peele's The Twilight Zone, back from, what, fucking 2018, I think. Um, Vera Farmiga's little sister's in it. I think Sarah Farmiga. Who gives a fuck? The whole fucking episode is that a meteor lands on this small town. And the meteor becomes a tourist attraction. And, like, local bars will take chunks off of it. And literally, people are doing, like, meteor shots. Like, they'll put it in their drink, and they'll drink it. And the whole episode portends the idea of, oh, man, when men come into contact with this rock, they become really sexually aggressive. They become forceful rapists. 
We are not kidding you. Zach knows. Zach has watched this episode. The twist of the episode is that a rapist acted like a rapist even though he did not come into contact with The Rock. The twist of the episode is that all men want to do whatever they can to fuck your face regardless of meteorites. Isn't that the most fucking offensive thing in existence, Zach? Well, that's the thing. All men, all men want – it's much like – it reminds me of like Red Lighter Media. I mean, like it was like one of the Mr. Plunkett reviews. It's like the idea that like all men want is your sex hole. That's all they want. I I honestly left. I've only seen that episode once, and I think Zach, you're in the same boat. You only saw it once. I I really should rewatch it just to regain my um you know comprehension of it and stuff like that. But the the premise of the episode is if you are a female, every single male you ever come into contact with will try to fuck you, and I think that is wildly offensive. That's just me. That's just me. But Jordan Peele is a trailblazer. Uh, I mean, he's not a trailblazer until you understand that a octopus can hack a computer to spread octopus DNA to other octopuses that make them able to hack compute. I can't even explain that shit. This fucking show I like- sucks. I like how I explained it to somebody at work once who was, like, really big into the conspiracy theories. He's like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. Oh, no, no. We've – okay, okay. We're doing this tangent. You told me this, and your coworker explained the whole octopus knocking the light out at an aquarium, right? I don't remember if it was that, but it was the idea that, like – the idea that, like, octopuses can, like, control computers is something, like, conspiracy theorists have been, like, believing now for, like, a couple years. I don't remember who it was. I thought it was this story, but this is something that, you know, there is a literal episode from the second season of Twilight Zone starring fucking... Starring the dude from The Soup, Joel McHale. He's, like, the lead actor in this episode. They uncover a fucking octopus from deep shelf Arctic core that is melted because of global warming. Because guess what? Fuck you, global warming. And this octopus is so smart, it can hack a computer to spread smart DNA to other octopuses, and they take over the world. And I remember telling Zach about this. I remember telling a lot of people about this. And somebody, I think, I thought it was you, Zach. It might be somebody else. That, that's not, that's beside the point. Somebody said to me, oh, yeah, octopuses are really smart. Like, there's an octopus in an aquarium in Germany, and they would, like, shoot water at a light to turn that light off because it was bothering them. And I was like, are, 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 you, are you fucking kidding me? You think just because an animal squirted water at something... It is directly implied that it was bothering them? What evidence do we have that an octopus squirting water at something implies it was bothering them? Octopus... Fuck! 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 I fuck... We're, we're deep into the Goosebumps episode. We cannot get this angry about this. Uh, so I will save that for another time. Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone is a calamity that is offensive and should never exist except... For season two, episode ten, directed by Osgood Perkins, that I talk about in our Legally Blonde episode, that is the one of the best episodes of Twilight Zone ever. <laughs> Zach, I'm sorry I went off on that tangent. Anything else? Uh, I have a few moments to mention in the Girl Who Guard Monster. Anything else you want to talk about? No, Rob. The floor okay. is all yours. Uh, I think you know just um, just some tiny little bits. Um, I really kind of loved when uh, Lucy went back to the library to get her blades, which she calls her blades, which I thought was really 90s. My blades. Uh, 
she goes back to the library and she hears the library humming a song, librarian humming a song, and she goes, that's probably a classic. It's fucking A Little Night Music by Mozart, you know? It's one of the most famous songs in existence, and Goosebumps feels the need to fucking, you know, have a joke about that. I thought that was so weird. And I'm like, that's, I'm like, what? I'm, I'm, I get it. Maybe some little kids wouldn't know that. Um, I love the moment when the librarian discovers that he's being watched, and Lucy's running away from him, and he's chasing her, and he says, keep running, little one. I love fast food. <laughs> Oh god, that is like that. Okay, that is cringe-inducing. No, no, that's not cringe. That's like perfect goosebumps right there. Sure, uh, you think that's cringe? It, it's goofy. It's goofy, but it's fun. You know, I don't think it's cringe. Cringe is the shit that we see on TikTok these days. Watching somebody that you're gonna eat runs, calling them fast food. That's just like bad bottom tier joke. That's not cringe. Fair enough, but I I, I I chuckled at it, though, but I thought it was goofy. Uh, okay, okay. The last thing I wanted to mention is that uh, in the uh, episode, of course, you know, the, it's revealed the end that the parents are like, we didn't really believe you, Lucy, at first. It took some time for us to understand there was another monster in town that we had to eat. Um, in the book, the uh, the friend that Lucy has, him seeing the monster as well is what convinces the parents that it actually is a monster. Like the whole book is predicated on the um, more of the girl who cried wolf motif. And, you know, she keeps telling her parents that the librarian is a monster and it takes until they hear her friend say he's a monster for them to invite him over to dinner and eat him, that type of thing. So just a, just a slight change. One of the smallest change I think is we'll ever get in terms of Goosebumps book to show. Um, but just, just a little bit I wanted to mention, that type of thing. Fair enough. So, Zach, we did it! It's another Goosebumps episode! Fourth annual! Fourth annual well, Goosebumps! Yes, Rob, but I have a question for uh-oh, you. Uh-oh, uh-oh. uh-oh. I, kinda, I think I talked about this a couple years ago. But Is I it going to cause time. me to explode? Maybe. <laughs> probably. Um, but this is a question I, I, I feel I have to ask you like, as part of every Goosebumps episode. Okay, okay. 15, 15 more years we'll have of this, folks. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 it'll be longer than that. Okay, how much longer? And I'm kind of surprised since this is like, what, three years now from the inception of our Goosebumps episodes on this podcast? Yeah, yeah. Isn't it shocking that Netflix hasn't tried to reboot this? Oh, God. You, Zach, you said this at the start. You say this every year. I know I say it every year because I find it shocking. Like, <sighs> like, like I, I honestly don't know. Between like Disney and Netflix, I don't know which is more creatively bankrupt. I guess Netflix at least churns crap out. I have two answers. I have two answers for you, Zach. One, Ghost Cat. Two, you cannot reboot perfection. That's a very, very subjective Rob answer, but you can't do it. You cannot do it. You know, honestly, on a more serious note, which I think I brought up in previous years, you know why I think they're not going to reboot Goosebumps? 
I honestly think they are going to work towards rebooting Are You Afraid of the Dark first. Well, that's two different, but like that's two different, like I, nope, I, not to I, them, I not not to these studios. I don't think. Yes, it is because Goosebumps. No, Are You Afraid of the Dark was exclusive to Nickelodeon. Goosebumps has has what? Because like, okay, in the video I watched for Goosebumps, like I Rob never explained to me how vast the Goosebumps empire was. The Goosebumps, in, like the the, the mid nineties to like like mid two thousands. Oh yeah, Ghost Cat. And, like, yeah, Ghost Cat. I get it. Ghost Cat. But, <laughs> But this is the thing, though. It's like I never knew how like just expansive it was, and like all different incarnations there was of Goosebumps. Like as far as I knew prior to watching this video, there was two forms of Goosebumps. There was like OG Goosebumps, then there was like Goosebumps two thousand. And then you reference. have tales like a, to give you yeah. Goosebumps. You have all the yeah. No, you're not wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, oh man, I mean, I, 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 there's a whole fucking tab in our spreadsheet where I illustrate all of the episodes of Goosebumps and where they come from. That's a thing. <laughs> yes, but like, I, how much? Okay, my question is again: How much longer until Netflix decides to Jordan Peele this? You, you're asking the wrong person. Because I think... We're due for it, though. We're due for it. No. Okay. Okay. Here you go. Now, you just hit the nail on the head. I am a gambler's fallacy type of person. My statistical knowledge, saying you're due for something, means nothing. That's a fallacy. I do not think Goosebumps will ever be revived. I think that if any any network... Whether it be a network of TV, whether it be a streaming service, they are not going to go back to Goosebumps. They're going to go to whatever the fucking new version in the 2015 era of anthology horror is. I don't know what that would be. I am not up on my teen horror anthology series. I honestly don't think Goosebumps will ever get a revival. That is uh, shockingly naive. I disagree. I, I think that Goosebumps has come and gone and is supplanted by something that we are not aware of, that we have not looked into. I think Goosebumps is way into the future, into the past, I'm sorry. And I don't think this is ever going to happen. I think that the movies prove this. Nobody likes the movies. Yeah, we got a sequel because of, you know, what box office returns. But that second one did so poorly, I don't think we're going to get any more R.L. Stein. Unless R.L. Stein does a new series, you know what I mean? I I disagree because if you look at the numbers, of like, like forget about the movies. The movies were just like God. They are so far removed. From, okay, like, ask me what this. I, ask show. me this. Where's our Wishbone reboot? Where's our Kablam reboot? Where's our highly successful home video kids <laughs> shows from that same era? Where are those? Where are those? Why does Goosebump get any special pre? <laughs> Zach made a. I like that noise Zach's making. <laughs> But you you know what I'm saying, okay. right? No, different. You know what's different about those is that none of those other shows are based on what was cons- what was at the time the highest grossing book series of all time. Until okay, well, no, 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 no. You cannot say that about about fucking Wishbone. Wishbone is based on successful stories from all of history. Like, are you telling me that you don't want a new version of a dog telling the Phantom of the Opera? You don't want a new version of the dog telling a Shakespearean story? Just because I, just because the public at large doesn't want it, Rob, doesn't mean I don't want it. I, but no, see, that's that's where we disagree. Is that I don't think it's about the public. I think it's about the studio executives. I, but as I know, like if you look at like okay, from this video I watched. 
like Goosebumps made like something like a half a billion dollars. It made a lot of money. In, like, yeah. And like, ni- but yeah, but like that was like in 1995. Hasn't this shit been supplanted though by our modern era? Twilight, by our modern era Harry Potters, the supernatural aspect so. has been supplanted. It's, it's, a brand, it's a brand name. It will show up at some point. Cause brand brand so. name, I don't think matters anymore. I think it's the fact that it's an, an anthology series. Don't we want long form narratives over anthology now? Oh, but I, but that's the thing. Though. Like they're they're not going to care about anthologies. Just like when I say Goosebumps reboot, I say how much longer until someone just buys the television rights to it and just slaps the name on it and makes like a TV show out of it. I don't. I don't. I honestly don't see that happening because of the movies, because of how franchise based arc story arc franchise based our media has become. I I honestly don't. M- maybe. If anything, we'll get like a Goosebumps straight to Netflix movie. I, and that's going to do poorly, and they're going to throw it away. And I, I honestly don't think this is going to get rebooted. So far, you've been right, but I think it's inevitable. Yeah, that, that's where we disagree. And, you know, honestly, Zach, I don't, don't get me wrong. If you're right, fucking they better contact you and me to make some Ghost Cat Goosebumps episodes, you know? We can only hope. That and more Carly back. But honestly, I don't I think that this is this has fallen by the wayside because of modern media consumers, the the franchise based, the story arc based, the 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 desire for a detail. I don't think anthology series work anymore. I mean, you know, give give me this this example. Uh, or, or give me, you know, leeway to give this example of Black Mirror. Black Mirror worked on BBC because it was something so new and so politically poignant. You know, that that first three episodes of Black Mirror were so relevant to British politics. That's why it succeeded. And then, you know, two seasons later, Netflix buys it and makes it all into, hey, what if you were in a video game? Wouldn't that be fucked? And nobody fucking cares about it. Everybody's like, this is stupid. I think that's the thing. Anthology cannot exist in our modern media landscape. I don't think, but I just think about Goosebumps. So I don't know if it'll be an anthology. I think it's just the slapping that, lo- that very iconic logo onto something and being like, "Here you go." Well, well, just let's giving, like, let's take that same point. If you have an eight an eight episode television arc that has some weird, spooky nonsense to it, no one's going to slap Goosebumps onto that. They're going to slap Twilight Zone. Or Black Mirror onto it. Goosebumps is the so Rob, bottom of the barrel with that. I, I don't think so, though. This is the thing, though. Like, Rob, if you're trying to appeal to millennials, people our age, this is the thing I find kind of fascinating. Which would appeal more to people our age, the Twilight Zone brand or the Goosebumps the brand? The twi- Twilight Zone. Absolutely. No. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Go ask no, – Rob, go out and ask cares. your friends. Who, who, what, what do they remember more fondly? Nobody, okay, Twilight let me do this real quick. Hey! <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, no, I honestly believe nobody cares about Goosebumps anymore. The movies killed that property. The Twilight Zone and Black Mirror, those still exist for name recognition because they haven't had as bad reception as the Jack Black Goosebumps. The Jack Black Goosebumps came out to children or perceived to be for children and killed that brand. I don't think Goosebumps has any place in the future of of anthology media i you keep saying anthology i just say i say live action media when you say live action it's are you saying story arc based it doesn't matter i I think it's the same thing i think it's the same thing people are going to think of black media black mirror twilight zone 
they're going to want things that are up to date. They're going to want things that are technology-based. And Goosebumps does not fit into that. And I don't think there's anything you can do to make Goosebumps fall into that new category of media. There's nothing about Goosebumps that makes it, like, updated for the modern age. There's nothing about Goosebumps that makes it modern with internet, with, with uh, you know, technology, with anything like that. I think black media has that cornerstone. Uh, black Mirror, I'm sorry. Black Mirror is going to be the one that people try to launch onto, especially because Netflix owns Black Mirror. And I, I, I think Goosebumps is dead. I think Goosebumps is gone for good. As long as we keep it going on, on Cinemodities, that's where people are going to hear from. I honestly believe it's not going to be rebooted. I Anything that has any sort of brand loyalty, this was too big to be ignored. Especially now Time that, like, will tell, like, Zach, 90s, I guess. you know, not, We're going back and forth with the same shit now, you know? 90s nostalgia is too powerful to ignore, especially considering that like 90s nostalgia is one of the last few times that like it was ubiquitous. Because like as soon as you get into the 2000s, like you had internet culture and it became too like diverse. I don't know. I clearly for the last three, like I've been asking this question four times now. Yeah, and we are still very much uh, in no closer reality. I think Goosebumps to is done. It, yeah. I don't think so. I, I don't agree with that. Done. I think it is. It might, it might be in hibernation, but it's not done. I think it's done. I think people are going to forget you're about done. it. No, you're done. No. No. <laughs> Zach, I'm not done. <laughs> we got 15 more years of goosebumps. <laughs> I honestly that. believe it's it's not. I Done might be too strong of a term. If anybody's trying to reboot horror anthology 90s from the kids, you, I honestly believe the thing we're going to get is Are You Afraid of the Dark years before Goosebumps. Goosebumps is lower than Are You Afraid of the Dark. Okay, I found a fun, I found a fun article. George A. Romero's abandoned Goosebumps movie script details have emerged. <laughs> what is this from, 16 years ago? What are you telling no, me right No, July now? 2021. Oh, God. Well, George Romero's world-renowned is the grandfather of zombie horror... Uh, uh, one such project was the first Resident Evil movie, which had a script by Romero, blah, blah, blah. I think what has emerged recently no, is no. news that Romero also adapted R.L. Stein's Goosebumps when the book series was in its prime. You know you know what I think? R- Rob, be quiet. No. <laughs> While the Goosebumps franchise has so-so TV series in the 90s. So-so. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't until the 2015 Jack Black movie that the R.L. Stein's creepy collection made it to the big screen. The latest movie and sequel were not, however, the first attempt to bring Stein's spooky works to a cinema audience. Turn, Tim Burton was once linked to direct a movie based on one of the Goosebumps well, series. Well, yeah, I, we've read a lot about what Tim Burton was signed on to do. This fucking, like, 50 movies that he never made. Fuck that. That's useless. And we, and we now have learned that Romero also once had a go at scripting the very first book published in the series, Welcome to Dead House. Which was which was obviously a zombie story. Romero's kind of garbage too. Romero has like a bunch of shit in his later years where he's like, "What's the internet?" And they're like, "What are you saying, George?" And they're like, "Can, can the, the internet be a zombie?" And it's like, "What?" <laughs> like George Romero's a lunatic at the end of his career. Yeah, but this was like back in the nineties, though. So like, when you think of like end no. of his career, like this, I don't buy it. Bro. I don't buy it. Goosebumps is dead. We are keeping Goosebumps alive through Cinemodities, the 75 well, episodes. I, I, that, I, I, I don't want to hear it, Zach. I don't want to fucking well, clearly hear it. You're not, clearly you're not wrong because the last Goosebumps movie came out in 2018. And what was the – the first one was what, 2016? 2016? 2015. 2015. And that sucked. 
That movie sucked. I watched Wait, it. It what? fucking sucked. Wait, what? There's like okay, there's on IMDb there's a listing for a twenty twenty one Goosebumps TV series. Okay. And the description yeah. me, is a let remake me get an of IMDb real quick. Let me get an IMDb real quick and sh- and, and and list the Cinemati's restaurant. Sure. I'm not buying this. I, I put Goosebumps in the same category I put fucking Tool and Modest Mouse. The only ri- the only it. way I'll believe that they have new shit is when I fucking see it. Okay? I don't want this internet conjecture bullshit because Goosebumps is dead. Goosebumps is dead. We're keeping it alive. Nobody this will cares be a about TV this. TVMA show, even though it was based on children's books. TVMA? Oh, wow. Yeah, I believe Rob, in that, Rob, Zach. Rob, okay. Rob, Rob what's, what's, what would you think of an edgy Goosebumps? I just want, I, want, I, I mean, tits for days. That's all I want. <laughs> I want, I want. F- Direct female and male nudity in my goosebumps. That's what we. If Zach and I made new goosebumps, we'd be like monster blood. Okay, how many scenes can we get this dude naked? He comes out of the shower, dick flopping around, finds monster blood. You know, perfect. You know, six minutes of just floppy dicks strewn on the screen. Oh, oh, look at this! It's not okay. happening. Rob, Zach, stop! T- we have questions to answer. Stop doing research in the moment. New- Okay, Rob, be quiet. New uh, Goosebumps TV show has found a director, according to R.L. Stein. This is from March of 2021. Is it Jordan Peele? Writer R.L. Stein confirms that the upcoming Goosebumps TV show has found its director. After the success of his Fear Street book, Stein has set out to make a series of spooky novels for younger readers. The original Goosebumps book series ran from 92 to 97, spitting a total I'm shaking my head while Zach is reading this. I'm not happy about this. Okay. What are you going to say? Ryan fucking Coogler? What are you going to say to me? What big name are you going to mention to me? Sony attempted a sequel in 2018 with a new cast and director, but it didn't do as well as the first financially or critically. The franchise was silent for a few years until a new Goosebumps TV show was announced last April. There haven't been any updates in the new live-action series since it was announced, but Sony Pictures Television has found a producer and director for Goosebumps, according to Stein. You wonder why I drink. to a fan question on Twitter, the Goosebumps author confirmed the show's progress while teasing a future update. Quote from R.L. Stein, we have a producer and a director signed for the new TV series. More news to come. This is from March of 2021. At this point, there is very little known, except that it will be live-action. What point are you making to me, Zach? What do you want? Do you want another Haunted Mask when you love the Haunted Mask? Do I want another fucking, you know, Osgood Perkins Twilight Zone when I love that? No! Can't we just be happy with what we have? (laughs) What are you saying to me? (laughs) I hope it's Slappy that directs the new TV series. (laughs) (laughs) If they make new Twilight Zone, if they make new... Monstober episodes, whether it be Goosebumps, whether it be Treehouse of Horror, whether it be anything we talked about, it's gonna fucking suck. I know it will. What are you? I, why are you telling me this? Why are you making me sad? <laughs> why are you making us sad, Zach? On April twenty eighth, twenty twenty, it was announced God. that a reboot was in the works by Scholastic Entertainment. So Scholastic owns the rights to it. My gun just jammed. <laughs> I literally tried to blow my temple out. My gun just jammed, Zach. Please, can we get to our questions now? I do not like nope. what you're doing because nope. it's useless. Goosebumps. Oh, my God. 
the haunted mask, Rob. I just want Carly Beth. I just want. Okay, can I leave it this way, Rob? I have no problem with the Goosebumps remake as long as somebody runs train on Carly Beth. That's not going to happen. That's offensive. No, not if it's progressive. But what if she wants to be run train on? No, that's offensive. <laughs> if I know anything about female empowerment, it's that they don't want train run on them. <laughs> What if it's by other women? What if, what if it's the bullies are women? What are you saying? That you want the Haunted Mask Part 1 and Part 2 to be a, a lesbian love story? <laughs> what are you saying to me right what now, haunted, Zach? You're not thinking about lady. these things. You're just saying words. You're saying <laughs> now, things that seem woke. You're not talking about the story arc. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, if we bring back both long and short. Jesus. Well... If we brought them both back for this podcast for an interview, I would love it. If they were in an episode and they got train run on them and we could only <clears> watch <throat> it on Pornhub, I would be very upset about that. <laughs> but if Ryan Gosling was in the remake of the... Say the cheese and die. No, Ryan Gosling sucks now. That I, I, that is... I know you don't words. like that. You love him and his accent, his fake fucking Brooklyn accent. You know, you love that I shit. Love him. He's my boyfriend. God damn it, Zach. Why'd you have to take something so good like Goosebumps and fuck me with it? (laughs) 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 Rob, we're going to get the reboot of Goosebumps eventually. I'm going to be like, Rob, we have to talk about this. And you're like, no, Zach, Goosebumps is my thing. I'm like, no, Rob, we got to talk about contemporary Goosebumps. Wow. I I chose to get, like, drunk for the Princess Diaries episode. (laughs) I chose to get drunk for, like, the fucking... (laughs) You know, other episodes in the four year that I can't remember because I was drunk and damn, me my choice to say sober for this episode was shitty. <laughs> Zach, can we please get to our question? Stop inundating me with garbage from you. Goosebumps Rob, will what, not what questions? be other than snacks, we already know our status on cinema. Well, we have to say it. I yes, I did. I'm I'm so glad you bring this up. I did go back into the spreadsheet. Zach and I have the same answers every year for Goosebumps, and I love it. Cinemodities for Rob, no. No. Late, Late night, night yes. for Rob, yes, in October. And you're in agreement, right? I don't even care anymore. I want that in the oh, screen, well, spreadsheet. Fuck you, I don't Zach. care. Jesus fucking Christ, Zach. I want the, what I, a great I want way to it, kick off it. Monstober that you get to choose. I thought you might indulge me a little bit to make you it a little better. You know, Jesus I want, you know I want in the spreadsheet for my cinemati late night status. You don't have the I you want... don't have the pleasure of being gone for fucking 6 months where I'm I'm letting you do your thing. You've been around for over a year. I'm angry at you because you're like I don't give a fuck. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want in the spreadsheet. I hope the audience really likes for, this. <laughs> for both cinemati and late night status, what I want in the spreadsheet is where's my reboot? Where's the reboot? Oh fuck you know oh god that's a that's a bad answer that's a bad answer i want that in in this spreadsheet where jesus christ oh god zach you come on rl stein you've used up your hiatus clout you know and i i was groveling to you for certain things now jesus christ okay snacks how about that (laughs) i'm going to tweet to rl stein real right now and be like where's the reboot I'm pretty sure R.L. Stein's tweets are on our four-year extravaganza episode. We we have something. Hold on. Hold on. Let me, let me pull this up real quick. Yes. Yes. This is what I'm remembering. For the four-year extravaganza, we are going to have to answer the question, did R.L. Stein's marriage survive 2021? 
Oh, God. Uh, we like to have fun over here at Cinemodities as much as it will seem that Rob hates Zach for doing this to him. Uh, but, okay, snacks, snacks, snacks. I got some that are very short. Crickets! What do you think? Just crickets? Just crickets? Just crickets, because our, our monster librarian eats some crickets. You know, he uh, picks it up from the uh, the spider cage and just kind of pummels them into his mouth. And uh, as I've said, I'm sure I've said before on this podcast, I have eaten candied crickets before. How'd that work out for you? Not good. I did not enjoy them. From the same episode, uh, I had crickets with an exclamation mark. I also had monsters with an exclamation mark. What do you think about eating monsters we find in the Cinemati's restaurant? We, do we have to inquire with John Ratzenberger first? Mm, I don't think so. It's just whenever they present themselves to us, we chow down on them wholeheartedly like the uh, parents from uh, The Girl Who Cried Monster does, you know? Do we have our fangs yet or are we still in training? Well, I got my fangs. I don't know about you. I got oh, my okay. fangs. All right, I saw I'm still in training. Clearly, actually, kind of like one of my back, one of my back right teeth like chipped the other day. <laughs> I got like this weird abscess in my teeth that is like getting a lot That's of food stuck in it. I gotta go to the dentist, but you know, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, Rob, fuck that. That was all I had from the girl who cried monster. I just want to run through what I had because they're all real short. Uh, grayish lump sugar cookies that are disgusting. Like yeah, I would, I'm on board for that. yeah, I would love for our audience, our, not our audience, but our customers to order something like, oh, the Monster Blood Cookies, that sounds great. And it comes out as just like, you know, way too much flour, like dense, fucking disgusting looking cookies that are hard to bite through. I thought that'd be great. <laughs> also from that episode, Monster Blood. We should have Monster Blood in our restaurant. Like we Doesn't should have... Uh, no, no. <laughs> monster blood it doesn't make people jump in the air it makes people grow to extreme extreme sizes and this is my thought you cut me off because i before i can even give my fucking thought zach jesus christ this is not a good start to monstober i'm thinking (laughs) that we give monster blood to the people who are trapped in our restaurant the people that might be gaining too much population. And so if there's like a society or a a group of people in our restaurant that are stuck there, we give them monster blood. They start to grow really, really big. And since they're really, really big, because eating monster blood makes you giant, like the dog in this episode and like, you know, the, um, the, the future of the monster blood franchise, which we'll probably talk about next year. That makes it an easier target for us to hit with tranquilizer guns and kill and make into meat for our restaurant. <laughs> uh, Rob, you you clearly, you clearly have it all figured out. Okay, I like that. I like that. <laughs> uh, one thing I wrote down, I don't really remember where this came from, but I wrote it down. <laughs> Ginseng tea and low-fat granola bars. Where did that come from? I think that was like the beginning of Cry of the Cat with the um the actress. That's what she wanted to eat type of thing. But ginseng tea and low-fat granola bars. Compare that to my next snack, water with cat hair in it. <laughs> <laughs> I think, Zach, you're going to like that. Wouldn't you like to serve some people water with cat hair in it? No. Yeah. What? What do you mean no? You would love that. The last that time sounds... I was over your place, you gave me fucking just cat hair. I would love to have a little bit of water. Just the cat hair? <laughs> yeah, like, like, honestly, everybody, you know, this is not a joke. Last time I hung out with Zach, Zach was like, 
I was like, Zach, can I get a drink? Can you send me? He's like, you don't, you don't want some water? And I was like, yeah, sure. And he just literally handed me a ball of cat hair, no glass. And I was like, Zach, come on. And he was like, <laughs> and coughed up more cat hair. <laughs> I'm making fun of you, Zach. Okay, Zach, what do you have for snacks from this slew of goosebumps? Uh, from this slew of bumps of goose. Uh, we're bumping uh, geese. We're bumping geese. We're bumping geese. I, obviously, cherry pie. I kind of wish, like, in a weird way, they could have played the Warren song. Like, when they said, like, you, it's like, She's what? my cherry pie. Tall drink of water. What a sweet surprise. <laughs> of course, cherry pie. Um, that that, the, that is not the first time this has come up, right? I swear I have literally sung that to you in the past, right? <laughs> I would be surprised either way. And Zach's like, you sang me a song, Rob? <laughs> do you know Do you know that there's a moment, just because just just we're having such a, a goofy time right now, do you know there's a moment in the Princess Diaries episode, do you remember this, Zach, where you say, Rob... Can you explain Anne Hathaway's character? And you go, just like I would explain you, Rob, as a well-read individual, I go, oh, thank you, Zach. <laughs> and, and do you remember what your response was to me saying that? No. Your response is legitimately, fuck you, Rob. <laughs> it's one of the funniest moments in our podcast history. I just wanted to bring that up. The Fort Year, as much as I did not enjoy going through some of those fucking movies, we had some really funny fucking moments from that. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, no, Cherry Pie. Uh, from the other ones, I want Flubber in the restaurant. Okay, we have Cherry Pie. Flubber. Listed just as Cherry Pie in the R. Kelly's Trapped in the Closet episode. Oh. Just Cherry Pie. Like, no, nothing there. Like, nothing descripting it. Um, We have Cherry Pie listed somewhere in Goosebumps from last year. Really? God, and there's so many snacks. Hold on. Uh, cherry Pie that you can't laugh when you order it. That's it. That's weird. Okay. Uh, we have it in the Pootie Tang episode that Zach was not involved with, and it is listed as Cherry Pie Wrestling. Flubber. That's it. Okay, those are the three cherry pies. You want Cherry Pie Flubber? Is that what you're saying? Even better. I wasn't even thinking of it that way, but I'll take it. When when are we going to get to talk about Flubber? I think I've told you, Zach, before. Flubber, I kind of love that movie. That's fine. Oh, we also turned seance monies and tried getting in contact with Robin Williams. I kind of love the fact that Zach said, that's fine, while yawning at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Zach's like, oh, whatever, we'll make this episode end. <laughs> I mean, we can't talk about Flubber if we don't talk about what, the um, the very mad scientist? Is that the uh, the movie it's based on? The very silly scientist? Whatever the, the hell that is a remake of, right? Yeah, I haven't seen Flubber in forever. Flubber is fun. I'll tell you that. Okay. Why isn't it, why isn't that on Disney Plus yet? Like as like 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 a redo. Is it like, not? No, 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 no. I don't mean like OG oh, as a, as a remake or something. Yeah. Like I feel like oh god, who oh would be, who god. would be the, the doctor? Stop asking why things aren't a remake, Zach. <laughs> Jesus Christ! In your world, fucking everything should be remade. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Why don't we have a remake of the Immortal Engines? Fuck! That came out two years ago. Fucking do it again! (laughs) God damn it, Zach! You're a nonsense man! 
the immortal engines is that the more the more i did a little uh the mortal engines jesus you know what i mean zach every fucking thing you're like you're like i bought gas the other day at a a kanoko where's our disney plus kanoko like what do you want zach you're fucking insane why do you want everything to be rebooted i don't like you zach i kind of do like you but i don't like you monstober okay well with that being said do you have any other snacks for the uh the restaurant anything like that uh i do not rob okay well then i would love to put you on the spot and ask you what are we doing next week for the first week of monstober (laughs) <laughs> that is a great question, Rob. That is a great question. Zach didn't expect that. Zach Zach does not like what I put him on the spot because we've been doing this for a while. You know, we had the whole four year planned. We had the whole Henry Selleck planned. We always tell what we're doing next week. Can I can I hone you in on a topic? Can I actually make you solidify yourself on a topic so I have more than two fucking days to watch it? <laughs> it would definitely be Reanimator. Okay. Okay, I like that. I like that. I will watch that, and uh, Zach and I are going to talk about that. And I think uh, Monstober is going to have some really cool stuff uh, for the first time in a long time. Zach and I are going to be discussing these movies in person together. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about Monstober, Zach, as we uh, we get into this soft opening? Um. Oh, God, long live Monstober. It's not a state. It's not a time of year. It's a state of mind. It's a state of mind. Okay, yeah. I know Zach loves his Monstober, and I'm really excited to get into it. Uh, I'm so glad we've had you back, uh, Zach, now for a year, literally a year. I know you were in the Tenant episode at the end of September last year, but your real return was the uh, the Goosebumps episode. I'm so glad that, you know, you've been sticking around. And, and honestly, Cinemodities with, with Rob and Zach – there's a reason that it works so well with both of us. I'm so glad we got to talk about more Goosebumps. I'm so glad that we're going to talk, get to talk about more Monstober. It's going to be really fucking fun. And with that being said, if Zach has nothing else, I think, as always, for the fourth time in a row, the only way to end this episode is the great Jack Lenz's Goosebumps theme in reverse. You have no complaints about that, right, Zach? Nope, not at all, Rob. It's the same thing every year. So until next week, when we dive into just the craziness that Zach has for us in Monstober, I'm happy that everybody got to hear this fucking doozy of a Goosebumps episode and tune in for the next 15 years of Goosebumps episodes just like this. Thank you.